Hey, everybody. Uh, just a little of a bit of a heads up in case this comes off as disjointed. Uh, we were recording. I think we went on for over an hour and uh, we lost the entire intro. So we had to restart, which didn't stop us go- for going for another two and a half hours, which is pretty impressive. But this week we're talking about someone who deserves that much time and attention. Kevin Smith. Snoogans. Um, since we lost the the intro to who Kevin Smith is, in case you don't know, I'm gonna just tag that in here right now with my uh my little intro script. Uh, does it merit this? Probably not. But if I don't continue to put this stuff out, I'm not gonna get any better. Uh, For those of you that don't know Kevin Smith, you might have your reasons. Like, maybe you're not a 30-something white kid with a fondness for dumb-dumb jokes. Personally, I love Kev. Like, so much so that I do not hesitate to say Kev and his friends from Tell Him Steve Dave have shaped my perspective on life and a lot of what I think is funny and who I think is funny. His detractors, which Kev has many, 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 many detractors, point to things like he has a juvenile sense of humor, Clerks is a depressing film, that he didn't have a story to tell after that classic movie, which was entered into the Library of Congress. Maybe it's because they're all really dialogue-heavy, with witty banter and a rhythm all of its own. And then there's Jersey Girl, which apparently is so bad, and every review or anybody that I know that likes Kevin has told me is so bad, I've never actually watched it. Um, But to get like a little bit more of a background on who Kevin is, Kev is a man that got off irritating the status quo while yearning to be accepted by the masses. After his heart attack, he got soft and now cries during a stiff breeze. That sounds harsh, but it could be the overexposure with his unending stream of tweets, 30 different podcasts, ongoing and defunct, that even his most ardent supporters have started to fade. I lovingly remember Fat Kev Smith, not for the jorts, but for the biting takes on pop culture. I say all that with love because it's not terrible to find a way to just enjoy things and not be a cynical douche all the time. I guess I'm just not there in my maturity yet. And, you know, something that we'll discuss during the episode is that Kevin Smith's movies, the more that you age the different lens you see them through. So maybe I just need to grow up a little bit before I can enjoy Skinny Kev. Kevin Smith, by his own admission, has made a career out of telling dick and fart jokes. A fat guy that did good. Also, the title of one of his books, which was a really good listen. Uh, I personally hold Kevin Smith responsible for my quarter-life crisis. He started a podcasting network and brought Tell Him Steve Dave into my life. When he finally imploded after years of attacks by critics, Kev held up a middle finger to Hollywood and started writing things that would make him happy again. Red State, Tusk, Yoga Hosers, uh, 
And that's what inspired me the most. That's what gives me the most hope out of anybody we've talked about so far. Because I want to find a few people that like me and create things for them. It's the way that I shape this show. And the way that we all shape this show together. And any creative endeavor that follows, I think, can largely be laid at the feet of somebody who just went for it and tried. What's cool and fun first, second, what can sell? Find the people that like you and make them happy, only if it makes you happy too. If Kevin Smith can, why can't we do this? Me, Brian, Chalupa, why can't we make a run at it? Why can't you, sitting there listening, is there a story you want to tell? Get behind a mic, get a pen and paper, whatever your form of creativity is, just start doing it, man. No one's in your way but you. I'll be there. Maybe we can all be our own small version of Kev. As he said in the movies, in the books, in the shows, in the thousand things that he has sold to me over the years, why not? In defense of a personal hero that had the audacity to go balls deep and take the leap, let's play a game. This game's going to be called, Was It Shakespeare or Kevin Smith? The first quote, You are keen, my lord. You are keen. The second quote, It would cost you a groaning to take off my edge. Quote number three, Yo, baby! You ever had your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat? (laughs) Man, you can go nuts trying to explain to people that being juvenile doesn't mean you don't have anything to say or that, you know, only mature, well-to-do people are blah, 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 blah. But the first two are Shakespeare's quotes, you know, one from Ophelia, one for Hamlet, and the third one was from Jay. And... Before you write off Kevin Smith, remember that one of the greatest playwrights in human history made plenty of dick and fart jokes. Before we get into the actual episode, I have a clip from Kevin giving an inspirational speech. Starts off talking about Walter uh, Flanagan that gets cut off a little bit. Um, Just so you know, it's about eight minutes long. If you uh, can't (laughs) sit through an eight minute uh, quote, then you you can just skip past that mark. But... uh, I think it's beautiful. Because like once he was forced into the prison of doing comic book men, he figured the best way to utilize it was like, well, why don't I start doing things that would make me laugh? And they did the episode about the commercial, which is based on like this old fucking commercial that we used to see for this toy store called Hobby Masters in Red Bank. And it was on local television. And we would watch it and be like, this is the worst commercial ever fucking made. And it was, it was like it trapped you. It was so fucking bad. So years later, we do a TV show. He's like, I want to do a commercial for this. St- I want to do an episode where we do commercial like the hobby masters commercial and fucking cut for cut beat for beat it literally is that when i saw the episode i was like that's i'll never win an oscar or an emmy or any of that shit but we did that you know like we made a fucking episode about some inside joke from 20 years ago (laughs) and it fucking worked man hang out with your friends talk to them sit down to record podcasts you never know where they're going to lead they could become fucking tv shows like this and if you're sitting there going hey that fucking happens to you because you made clerks and blah 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 let me give you an example of somebody who did not make clerks and actually aggregated to a much more successful fucking career than mine y'all watch epic meal time on youtube 
guy that hosts it, Harley Morenstein, big beard, funny fucking dude from Canada. This is a dude who was a substitute teacher, okay, in Quebec, French-speaking Canada. He didn't speak French, though. He's an American speaker, or English speaker, rather, I should say, <laughs> since it's Canada. So uh, he, he's the kind of guy that likes substitute teaching, and, like, the kids are coming to class, and he'll pull out a cart with the VCR and a bunch of tapes and shit and the TV, and they're like, ooh, we're going to see a fucking film and shit. And then he'll pass out a test, and then they're like, aren't we going to see a film? He's like, what made you think that? You know, shit like that. <laughs> That's how he passed the time. Then one night he's really fucking drunk and he's like, I'm going to make a pizza, but I'm going to do it fucked up. And he puts hamburger on it and he fucking shoots a video about it. He puts it up on YouTube and he wakes up next day. It's got 100,000 hits. And he's like, holy shit, man, let me see if I can do it again. And he tries it again, makes some fucked up food with his friends, puts up a video. It fucking gets another 100,000 hits and shit. At that point he goes, I am an internet chef. <laughs> And he started doing it more and more. He's like, let's just make fucked up food and shoot it and shit like that. By episode four, he said, kids were coming up to him in school and going like, I saw you on the YouTube, teacher. You were cooking all fucked up. <laughs> and he's like, and that's when I had to quit my job. He's like, but I could quit my job because suddenly I had a business. Harley Morenstein was listed in Forbes 30 under 30 last year for one of the most successful people to come out of the digital age. That dude didn't make clerks. That dude had no contacts in the world. That dude got drunk one day and was like, hamburger on pizza. <laughs> and now makes more money than fucking most people I know and shit like that. That's what's possible right now. This is awesome. Like, I love when people come out and sit here and talk to us or listen to us talk. But I'll tell you, it's fun to listen to people talk. It's way more fun to talk yourself. And right now is the best time in history to express yourself and watch it turn into something possibly. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it turns into nothing. Maybe you just got to express yourself and that's fucking enough. But could you imagine if one day you're just sitting around expressing yourself with your fucking friends and somebody goes, hey, that could be a TV show. Shit like that happens, kids. It don't happen to like people with magic lamps, and it doesn't happen because people were born into a certain place, or it doesn't happen because a magic alien gave them a fucking ring and said, you're in charge of this sector. It all happens, <laughs> it all happens with you doing this. I'm gonna try something. All you have to do is take that first step, man. Let me tell you something. You take one step towards art, art will race at you and suck your dick or lick your pussy, whatever you are, man. <laughs> art is desperate to be met. And all you have to do is go like, yeah, I want to say something. I want to express myself. That's all it comes down to and shit. There's two paths in this world, right? There's destruction and there's creation. And on the destruction path, it is backed up bumper to bumper. It's like rush hour getting out of the fucking tunnels, man. There are no end of assholes who will drive on the destruction side of things. Join us on the side of fucking creation. Jump over here and start making shit, man. Because what are you gonna do? We're killing time until we're off this rock. Until then, take every second of free time you got, try to make your dreams come true. That's all this shit's about and shit. And I'm gonna give you one quick assignment, man, before they send us out of here. One quick assignment, because hopefully we'll be back here next year. If we're not back here next year talking about season six, we'll do a look back on what happened to season five <laughs> and why we got canceled. Either way, we'll all be together again. One minute. We'll all be together again again. And so when we're together again here at the New York Comic Con next year and whatnot, I'm going to give you a year. Fuck it. It ain't even going to be next year. I'm going to give you two years, so don't feel like homework. Y'all have done what you're supposed to do in life. I don't know you, but I know you. I guarantee you, you've lived your life correctly and been the 
the child your parents wanted you to be, the boyfriend or girlfriend that your boyfriend or girlfriend wanted you to be, the spouse that your spouse wanted you to be, the employee that your employer wants you to be, the parent that your kids want you to be. You have played your roles very well, very successfully. And that's what society and civilization is about. We're given roles. Sometimes we don't choose them. Sometimes we're given them. We live up to them and stuff. That's how we all function together and whatnot. I applaud you all for doing that. That's what the, makes, makes the world go round. Now that you've done that, now that you have served everyone else in your life, and you do on a regular basis, and you know this, I'm gonna ask you to be a little Ayn Randian, look it up if you have to, and I'm gonna ask you over the course of the next two years to serve yourself, be a little bit masturbatory, figure out what that fucking thing is that you're like, I wanna try that. I see those fuckers do it all the time, seems fun, man. I wanna give that a shot. Like, do it, try it, imitate it, because that's how you get to innovation, man. You imitate until you innovate. You see somebody do something, you're like, I wanna do that. You see cartoons when you're a kid, you're like, I'm gonna try to draw that. You fucking watched a bit on Laverne and Shirley when you were seven years old, like I did, did it for your parents, they laughed. You're like, I'm gonna do that now more and more. I'm gonna do anything that they laugh on TV, I'm gonna do later on and try to get a laugh. That's imitation. And you do that until one day you're like, I'm not gonna say the thing I always say, I'm gonna say something original, and that's innovation. Everybody in this room is capable of that. You don't need talent anymore, ladies and gentlemen. Clerks prove that. <laughs> 21 years ago, I kind of went out there and said, you don't need talent. It's a big mansion, and there's a big fucking door that everyone's trying to get in through the front door, but there are many fucking windows, and there are many back doors and shit, and there's a lot of room for all of you to tell your story. You got this amazing voice, just like I do, just like this guy does, this guy does, this guy does, and this guy does. A very unique voice, man, that is your currency in life. That's all you got. Your looks will fade, your age goes away, friends leave and die. All you have in this life from the beginning to end is your voice. Your voice, the prism through which you view the entire world, which you spit it out, man. Your voice is your currency in this life. That's what you got to spend. Don't save it. Don't put it away. Don't sit there going, people think I'm stupid if I say it. Go out and fucking say it. Here, I'll take the mystery away. Someone will think you're stupid, but I'll tell you something else. You go out there and keep telling them the real, keep telling them the true things, keep sharing shit they never heard before, then I guarantee you this will happen to you as well. Somewhere over the course of your life, if you keep sharing with people, someone's gonna say something you said saved their fucking life. Promise you it's gonna happen. I promise you. Because you never know. Someone out there is waiting to hear from you. Not me, not him, not him, but fucking you. So thank you for supporting us, man. But it would really turn me on if you went out of there and did your own fucking shows. I can't wait to sit in the audience and listen to your panel, man. Give it up for the comic book man, ladies and gentlemen. Walter, Brian, Ming, and Mike. We return October 18th with two episodes. Tune in, give it up for AMC. And if you want to see Hollywood Babylon, man, we're doing it Saturday night at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Come on out, man. Meantime. A lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, <clears throat> we are at 10 minutes and 41 seconds and still counting up. No. I don't know how. We're I recording now? Yeah. Okay, do you want to re-record over this? Because to me, this says not a whole lot to do with what we're talking about. Oh, no, I can cut all that. That's fine. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, um, and it's 11.26, so we went for about an hour, and I got the first 10 fucking minutes of it for whatever goddamn reason. That's okay. I didn't think we that, that the Oscar talk should have been in there anyway. Yeah. Brian. No, it was more just asking what we're doing. Just kind well, of like pick a better time right to now. ask that kind of shit, man. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, Tim's totally. editing skills are only slightly better than Kevin Smith's. Wow. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> man, you got to do Kevin Smith dirty like that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I will defend that, man.
every week is going to be another uh, rant from online about how much fucking what was that movie you guys like love actually is piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) you guys liked did you watch it actually no he hasn't rewatched it yet. He can't keep talking oh, shit. Oh my god! He hasn't he's talking it. shit on a movie I haven't watched. You're just watching hypothetical people or people talk hypothetical chats and oh, they're experiencing this. They have this kind of syndrome. You know what? Maybe. You know what? I'm on nights uh, coming up. So Wednesday or Thursday, if uh, you guys are gonna well, you we can't balls, watch it now. It's you're we can put it on Christmas fucking Twitch spirit. and we can sit there and we can watch it together and I can. Give my two cents. You can't watch it when it's not Christmas time. You missed the whole point. Boo, Tim's a Grinch. People are shitty all year long. I'm sure it'll fit. (laughs) Grinch. You know it, baby. Who's home, Jax? Mom home? All right. Do we want to take another run at this? We'll start back at Clerks, or do we want to... uh... Brian, can you remember your (sighs) whole rant? Oh, God. I'm sure I could come up with a similar rant. (laughs) I didn't really speak that much, so I'll just go off you guys again and try to remember my few points. Fair enough. Uh, And hopefully we got your intro, but at least if uh, at least you could always re-record an intro and edit it in. Yeah. If it's not part of that. And just work on my writing and hopefully it comes off as more coherent and funny. Coherent and funny. Um, Coherent. So... This is Couch Critics Canada. I am one of your hosts, Tim. This week I am joined by Chalupa. Hey! And Brian. Hello, everyone. The triumvirate here. Um, so, this is our second attempt. We uh, recorded for a while, <laughs> and then the card shit out on me. Thank you, Zoom. Uh, I hope you sponsor us one day. You're a piece of shit. Fuck you. Why? Um, but... Always passing the buck to somebody else. Not my fault. Yeah. <laughs> passing the blame. Never takes responsibility. No accountability. Oh, motherfuckers. Oh, you motherfuckers. I, you sound like I you sound edit. like a main character from a Wes Anderson film. I record. <laughs> I do logos. What more do you guys fucking want? I've I've secured Gmails. Yeah, Danielle's got Danielle's got some more uh, logo recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we should At start this, point, this episode geez. out dedicating it to Danielle. Thank you for your service in getting us up off the ground with your insight. Uh, I genuinely she'll send an invoice it. later. <laughs> yeah, she'll send the invoice. Don't worry. <laughs> Fucking, she's contributing more. I'm gonna cut you two out and just have her start recording with me. Fuck you guys. Ooh. Ooh. Well. Too bad because you have another person that likes love. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> she seems more true. reasonable. Maybe with some more cogent arguments that'll uh, make me want to jump on and enjoy that. You movie. know who has cogent arguments? Kevin Smith. Oh, oh segways. Well done, segways. Well done. <laughs> Who's bringing us? What in? a segue! The year is nineteen ninety four. A little movie gets to Sundance. Scott Mosier, Kevin Smith, Clerks. They might serve you. It doesn't mean they like you. <laughs> uh, so, segue real quick. As we before we jump back to Clerks, uh, one thing that I wanted to say, which is funny, 
Tim, is we had this conversation about movies getting picked up, little independent films, and if that's going by the wayside. And I had said that streaming companies, I think, will be the saving grace for independent movies. And funny enough, one of the Oscar favorites this year, Coda, was debuted at, I think, uh, the Venice Film Festival and picked up by Apple TV. And it's now a front runner for uh, an Academy Award. Coda? Yeah, C-O-D-A. I think there's still hope. I I like that idea. I just want to see like, is there mainstream actors or directors behind this as well? Or is this like, do you know who, do you know who uh, I'm going <laughs> to, I guarantee you won't know anyone in this movie. Yeah. I, just, right I saw the cast list. The, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the short answer is no, no, this is completely yeah. <laughs> independent. Well done. That is exciting. Yeah. I I am happy that we can finally get some new voices uh, happening, some new stories. There's there's so many stories to tell, but it seems like we're getting the same thing over and over again, the same arcs. Mm. Yeah, this one's definitely very different. As a CODA, child of deaf adults is what CODA stands for. Ruby is the only hearing person in her deaf family. When... The family's fishing business is threatened. Ruby finds herself torn between pursuing her love of music by wanting to go to Berkeley College of Music and her fear of abandoning her parents. So obviously, the feel like as a child, that fear is going to be there in general. So there's themes that will, you know, sir, they'll they'll definitely be similar to other films. But it seems like a pretty original idea to me. Yeah. One of the languages is listed in there is uh, ASL, the American Sign Language. So that's going to be definitely curious if they subtitle it or. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. Oh, and it was Sundance, not the Venice Film Festival that was picked up in. Uh, But there was another movie that got picked up in from the Venice Film Festival this year. I just don't remember what it was. Maybe he'll come back. Yeah, I think it was Power of the Dog was uh, it was picked up or Netflix just streamed it at the film festival. I'm not 100% sure. They probably just streamed it at the film festival because it has Cumberbatch in it. I imagine Netflix funded it, produced it, everything first. But yeah, that that debuted at the Venice Film Festival. Anyways, that's my little segue as we keep talking about things that debut at Sundance. Coda, Clerks, 27 years later, movies still debuting at Sundance and being picked up. <laughs> interesting how that works. Yeah, that that is interesting. Um, Clerks, we, I, it's hard to retread old conversations. What conclusions we came to last time is, although it's niche conversation, it is a general lack of enthusiasm for life that speaks to that grunge era or the misanthrope in all of us. Um, I think we all enjoyed Clerks, but it is a bit more of an art piece than most movies. Uh, there's such great scenes. There's such great tie-ins. The music video I thought was really cool. Like it, 
it feels punk rock, this movie. They're, they're playing hockey on top of a roof, which is so unrealistic, but seems fun. They're, you know, uh, trashing a store, and they, they, I, I don't know. There's there's this kind of magical ideal to it. Like, we've, we've talked a few times throughout the episodes about my lust for, like, wanting to be... If I could work in a rental store, like a movie rental store today... I think I would love it. I think that would be the highlight of what I could do. I, I'm sure I wouldn't make a livable wage, but the, the, I think maybe that's why this movie still speaks to me. It's just enjoying friends in a, a meaningless endeavor. Mm-hmm. So you should watch Empire Records then. <laughs> the next John Cusack you movie actually I watch is going to be gross point blank because I haven't seen that in years. Empire Records isn't uh, isn't uh, part of me, John Cusack. What am I? No, oh, Empire I'm Records. mixing that with uh, High Fidelity. You're thinking High Fidelity. Yeah, exactly. Empire Records, cult classic once again. Small Liv Tyler. budget movie. Yeah, Liv Tyler. Uh, great soundtrack. Like, yep. fantastic soundtrack. You got the yep. gin blossoms on there till I hear it from you. And then mm-hmm. you have uh, the Coyote Shivers with Sugar High. It's a great song. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> a little, One of the, little, the uh, comments that we had the last time we were talking about Clerks was uh, the Clerks and Mallrats kind of got wrapped up into the same thing is there's an issue with editing that you guys thought uh, Kev had. Yeah, and it's not just those. It, the, it's very apparent in those two movies that uh but especially especially lurks and especially in the extended cut of mall rats which thankfully was not the cut released uh because kevin smith had another editor as you so poignantly let me know tim uh they're just very poorly edited it it, it gets too drab after a while a lot of his movies is what what i find and i love a lot of the dialogue i love the wit to it i i love the the little bit of toilet humor that's in there it's a i think it's a good balance there's enough ridiculousness in the stories and generally the characters have something that you relate to and clerks ever as i you know everyone can relate to not liking your job right uh how they go about it is to the extreme of ridiculousness which is what i appreciate about clerks maybe the most right like yeah. as you said shutting the store down to go play hockey uh <laughs> it's <laughs> hilarious just randomly leaving the store again for a second time to go to a funeral like yeah the the punk yeah. rock like um we t- like the uh the, when they went to shoot the funeral thing they they didn't even call the funeral home to see if it was okay they just ran up, set up cameras, did a couple of takes, and then ran away. Mm-hmm. It, the The soundtrack for Clerks is a little more fitting for Clerks than the soundtrack for Mallrats. I actually found the soundtrack for Mallrats kind of took me out of the movie a little bit. I was like, "Oh, this is unnecessarily aggressive for this this part." Yeah, like it doesn't seem to fit. It just seems like I and. I like most of the songs. It just doesn't, it's not cohesive, which is what bothered me with Kirk's. I found it was a little bit better, but uh, that's another thing kind of 
as we talk early Kevin Smith and there's some mall rats, it's just, it's, you really, it's not quite, I wouldn't say amateur hour because they're still good movies. And I'd still recommend people watch them. But I do like uh, Weezer's closing song in uh, in Mallrats with Suzanne. It's a good little uh, yeah. punk uh, doo-wop, punk alternative doo-wop. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's not bad. That's not bad. But just yeah, overall, yeah, yeah, most yeah. of it is just yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Why don't we see more? Because like we we talked about in the first cut, like it t- cost him about I think twenty thousand dollars. So let's just say that number. Uh, to do this he sold his comic books he did everything but like with uh, phones the, with uh, how good they are now uh, you could set up a, a, a tripod in a store and just start shooting your clerks or your movie or anywhere really like with the equipment that's out there that's as cheap as it is with laptops having editing programs on there why don't we see movies like this coming out on youtube more often or is that just speak to kevin smith's natural talent is that like you comparing somebody on a beer league versus an nhl player you know they they have that raw talent at an early age well i think also you're you're talking about you've someone that sold and made it their livelihood to produce something in clerks and make that happen right direct it uh, and everything. Whereas now you could do that for a lot, uh, as you said, with like an iPhone yeah. <laughs> and, and you can, you could. So from, from that perspective, how much do you really need to sell to make a movie these days to make a clerks these days? Would it truly be a passion project the same way would be my, my thought of why we don't see a lot of those. Because there is something to be said about going all in on something the way Kevin Smith did on Clerks. So what you guys are saying, it's not I want to make this make. podcast successful. I have to sell all of my Star Wars toys and buy Facebook ads. All on the line. All or fucking nothing. I'll quit my all job. In, baby. <laughs> I got like two months of rent saved up and then I'm either fucked or we're famous. Yeah, I had uh, I had like forty viewers on Twitch a week or two ago playing GeoGuessr, <laughs> uh, which is a lot of concurrent viewers for Twitch. Yeah, and I haven't streamed since, so I'm like the the like exact opposite of Kevin Smith here. It's interesting. That's almost like a Kevin. <laughs> You're the Smith, Axel Rose, uh, uh, like yeah. <laughs> movie theme or like thing. Like if you're risking nothing, you're never gonna truly win anything. Like, yeah, that, that's an interesting point of view. I, I've never, never considered something like that. What do you think, Chalupa? I don't know. I, I'm more of the, I don't know. For me, I'd, I'd, I'd want to have some security big time. I find that the, you know, Kevin Smith does, like, you see it in, um, you know, flashing forward to his uh, filmography, Zach and Mary. He kind of makes it look like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. And it's like, oh, we're going to get some money. And then shit happens, and they're like, "Oh, we don't have the money. Oh, but we can still do it on an even lower budget. Hey, we still we still do this." So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's there there definitely is something about. I think that's what's 
so wonderful to see is that true underdog story. And I think people can resonate with that because I would say almost everyone has been uh, in some point of their life where they're kind of risking it all and putting it all out there. Yeah. And that's, you know, hoping a prayer, hoping a prayer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, and one of the things, you know, so for those uh, clerks basically is about two convenience store clerks that, Basically, the whole movie is just a giant dialogue about uh, random things in life. So it's a mix of super random stuff, uh, a mix of discussion about movies, which I love. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it's really just these two guys and the conversations that they have and conversations they have with other people. And there could, it's, it's an, interesting movie in terms of if you like dialogue heavy films it's black and white white so it has kind of that uh artsy feel to it uh obviously was a passion project when it first uh when it first came out when it was first directed and by kevin smith so it does have a little bit of an artsy feel to it which i think appeals to some people a little bit more and maybe makes people like clerks a little bit more or give it more credence than it deserves. But still, I, it's a, it's a very enjoyable movie, especially if you, if you like dialogue, heavy movies, if you don't like dialogue, heavy movies, you're probably going to get bored and shut this thing off 20 minutes. in. it's, if I would say, if you, if you can get through a Wes Anderson film, you should watch clerks. If you like, if you've liked any Wes Anderson film, you would like, Clerks is worth a watch for sure. Well, like there, there are some niche uh, subjects that they're talking about, but that's the audience that Kevin Smith is targeting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just a bunch of comic book nerds that kind of have an infatuation for, um, I can't read that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, well, it's to you. Okay. No, I, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it, 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 it is quite niche and it is speaking to, uh, certain audience where you know that's Kevin Smith's friends, and I think he was aware at the time that um, you know people there. There's a lot, a large amount of people that related to that kind of stuff. It's like, hey, you know, hockey is kind of underground, but also cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, in some parts of the states, like obviously New Jersey is a thriving market now, but I think at that time they just came off of a Stanley Cup win, and then they were yeah, kind of surging up time. too. Yeah, yeah. Also, another thing I wanted to bring up, uh, Tim, I'm not sure if I brought this up when I was talking to you and Anthony about Kevin Smith, but did Rob Zombie and Kevin Smith ever like talk hockey? Because they're both kind of big comic book nerds. They both were big nerds in high school, and they're both. Oh, no, I think we lost him. Oh, no, we lost him. <laughs> well, uh, we get oh, the fun play. of recording a podcast in this era. Right? <laughs> All this technology. Why doesn't people just shoot a movie? We can't yes. even record fucking audio. Oh, yeah. I, I, I heard a word from him, but I think we've still kind of lost him. Uh, While well, we reload Chalupa. Oh, he left the chat. I think he's oh, going to yeah. be right back. He, he, he's gone. He's going to come back, hopefully. So I'll keep an eye on the chat. A little <laughs> trivia. And uh, I'm going to be heavy on this until uh, until the day that I die. But uh, the Tell Him Steve Dave co- uh, connection to this is... Uh, so Walt Flanagan played six different roles, 
the role of Randall was meant to go to Bry Johnson, a longtime friend of Kev. But uh, they had a fight at the store because uh, he was supposed to be Randall and uh, Kev was supposed to be Dante. But uh, he put up a sign because Kev was notoriously late and he was covering a shift for him. And when he when Brian left, he put up a sign like closed due to bubonic plague. And then the police got involved <laughs> and then it took them years to resolve. So he missed uh, Mar. He got back in touch with them just before Mallrats. But uh, yeah, he wasn't allowed to be a part of uh, Clerks originally. Huh. Interesting. I did not know that. <clears throat> And, you know, talking about the dialogue, it I find it kind of... I'm just trying to think of the words here for it. I, I know I'm providing really riveting content. Um, <laughs> oh, you got shook. You got DC'd. You disconnected. It, it, it just seems that... Yeah, I know, I know. I'll, I'll listen there and ask you guys later what, what I missed there. But um, I, I, I find that it's just kind of the... Like I was saying with the niche uh, conversations, whereas, you know, it's it's almost kind of Tarantino-esque yep. a little mm-hmm. bit where Tarantino more so um, has a conversation or a, a topic where we've all kind of talked about that kind of stuff. And like he gets so in depth and the characters are explaining it from top to bottom. Like you're talking about, uh, you know, burgers and traveling or you're talking about uh, and like they'll just and, and it's good that he does that is because it shows intellect that the character is really smart or almost professional somewhat on that subject where they're talking about a certain, um, sorry uh, about the dog. Like, like, I was like, oh, I'll just use the microphone, but they can't hear me scene when he's talking about a Royale with cheese. Like it makes him exactly being fully fleshed out. That's a good point. And then, yeah. and then you have like Mr. Pink in Reservoir Dogs, who's talking about dogs, uh, that he's talking about tipping, and like I would say nine, nine, out of, nine out of ten people have talked about tipping and if it should belong in society. So it's just kind of those things, and, and they're so and they elaborate on it so much and every point of the argument, which is awesome, and it's and mm-hmm. it's delivered very well by. Very good actors. <laughs> well, it's interesting Sorry, to bring Kevin. up the Quentin Sorry, Tarantino uh, connection. Um, so they were both under the Miramax label, which was like a division of Disney, I think. But uh, it was the independent film label, which I don't think we really see too much of anymore. Like Miramax definitely sold out and tried to get famous. But uh, so Quentin and Kev hung out quite a bit. And when he finished Red State, he took it to Quentin Tarantino's house and showed it to him because he was like the one person he wanted to really impress. And the preacher, Michael Parks, uh, he plays Abin Cooper, which is like a Westboro Baptist church guy. Like he tells a story about how he's like just in the background rolling a cigarette and Kevin's just staring at Quentin like, did I did you like it? Did I finally do good? Did you like it? Yeah. yeah, it seems like Kevin would do something with uh, Tarantino like that. Mm. Heavy nerd out. Yeah, for sure. So this Tarantino discussion, it's it's kind of funny because in my notes, I actually had Kevin Smith and poor man's Tarantino written Ooh. down. Uh, <laughs> as, as And there are some similarities 
uh, you know, Chalupa brought up very dialogue heavy in the films, mm-hmm. uh, very quirky. Yeah. But just not executed as well from, well, you, you know, Chalupa once again brought up an acting perspective, but for me, it's just the editing. And like Kevin Smith, he loves his work so much, it, almost to a detriment. If if his movies were edited down a little bit more, I think it would just be that much better. And those conversations, the tipping conversation type, those type of conversations, the reason why they hit so well in a Tarantino film is because there's one or two of those per film, maybe three. In Clerks, there's like 10 of those conversations. So it doesn't resonate the same. It's just another one of those conversations. I'm... And yeah, it's relatable, but not at that level, right? And that's where it comes down to, hey, maybe cut some more. Maybe take some out. Maybe edit it. Maybe pick and choose which ones you think actually would hit home. I don't know. That's my take. Maybe we can hit it as we go through the other movies, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you this time. Uh, maybe... Uh... I don't know. Would you want Kevin Smith to just be another Judd Apatow? Would you want him to be another Seth Rogen? Would you want all of these movies to get boiled down and become broad like every other Hollywood movie? Or allow the movie doesn't become broad if it's boiled down. How does it become broad by removing a couple conversations? The characters are still the same. The the story is still the same. All it does is it just serves the plot better and makes it more about the overarching story. If anything, uh, Kevin Smith's more like Judd Apatow now than a Quentin Tarantino in terms of the movies are poorly cut and they take forever. And a lot of times, like the final act. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Judd Apatow. Oh God. Or I would say even with uh, Kevin Smith, it's kind of rushed. Like we're going to, I'm going to jump really far, but Zach and Miri to me, that just Mm. seems to like jump from one moment to the next. And it's like, you get thrown up on, uh, you know, turn turn upside down and then back up to regular and then upside down again and then back on your butt. So it's like, what, 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 why are there so many drastic turns here? Like I get it to a point, but it doesn't need to be so drastic. Like the, w- the way I was thinking about it, um, you know, in the prior recording uh, was <laughs> that like Tarantino is working with a full set of knives and Kevin Smith has a meat cleaver when he's trying to dice onions. Like it's yeah. it's like it's like you're trying to use a tool. Like yeah, sure you can you can get the job done, but you don't have the right fucking tool. So he he, he you know he he comes out with you know you know a product, but it still could be better. And like man, I'm being really critical on his first movie, yeah, or first couple movies. But even then, it's like and he gets people with some names as time goes on. But even then, you can see their kind of rush, uh, rough acting skills, like Chris Rock and Dogma. I'm like, okay, there's some parts where like he's got some good dialogue, but then it's like, hey, you have a line, like one line, and it's now. And he's like, I'm like, I didn't believe that for one bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he might have some good writing, but at the same time, you need people to deliver the writing. 
I think you guys have uh, some valid points. It's it's interesting to look like hindsight twenty twenty being is he a victim of his own uh, need to be in control? Like in Clerks, he didn't have an option. It was him and Scott Mosier putting the movie together, and then ever since then, you get told enough times that uh, oh yeah, this is a Kevin Smith movie. So now you're the director. Now you're the editor. It would be curious to see what he would have his career would have looked like would the universe have been built the the skew of universe or whatever they call it uh if he was just a writer if he was able to find a director and like wes anderson got brought up i I was thinking a lot about it and i think these movies have given me a better like we're watching all the kev movies a better understanding and love for wes that like although because wes anderson builds that 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 world that you're in maybe a little bit more seamlessly than just like a movies or having Jay and Silent Bob in the background. I don't like his dialogue as much, but maybe that's just my bent towards poop and fart jokes. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I can see where his where he doesn't really fit into that 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 square and i don't think he should have tried i i wonder how many more movies we would have gotten if he was just writing and having fun doing that yeah i don't know it, it would be interesting to see uh if he kind of just you know he he got his break with clerks did a couple more and then decided you know what I'm going to write and pass the reins to someone else and see what those people can do with what I write. Not for I'd be nothing. Very intrigued. Wes, uh, Kevin Smith writing a movie and Wes directing it. I would love to see what that weird ass combination would come up with. It would be very eccentric. That's for sure. <laughs> Extremely eccentric. Some interesting shots in New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jason uh, Schwartzman's running a comic book store with his best friend, so, and they both hate their dads. So we, you know, we also one of the things that we've talked about in the past is clerks are mall rats. What would you recommend to someone as an intro to Kevin Smith from his early movie? I got to go with Mallrats because you get Stan Lee in his first cameo appearance. You have the uh, comic book entrance. You get to see a young Shannon Doherty. You get to see a young Ben Affleck. The 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 relationship between the two uh, lead characters is so much fun to see that, that friendship of where, you know, you almost have outgrown your friend, but you're still best friends for whatever reason. And... It, the scenery is just so cool like when you're in the basement apartment and he's playing uh chell and uh, you, you got a beautiful girlfriend like dumping you and crawling at a window so you don't see your mom uh the ending was uh pretty cool like just the send off to everybody um it it suffers i think from trying to be like other movies uh trying to be the other teen comedies as opposed to maybe a little bit more in the heart of who Kev was. What do you guys think? Chalupa, I'll pass it to you. Uh, for an intro to Kevin Smith movies, I would say Clerks is better because you get to start right off with the Askew universe. Um, 
And you get an idea of the characters, the backstory. There's a second, and I think a third one coming up now. So you kind of start off with that. But in my opinion, I like Mallrats more. I think there's better comedy. I think there's better flow with it. And eventually it's better editing. Not saying great editing, but better than <laughs> Clerks for sure. But uh, yeah. the original cut, not the extended. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. The original cut, please and thank you. Um, but yeah, yeah, I would, I'd say it's a better uh, jump into Kevin Smith would be the first one, uh, the Clerks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I legitimately like when when the extended cut came on because it's the version that I got to rewatch. I struggled through that first bit. It was so tough. Like it's just too long, and it it doesn't add enough to the plot. Uh, like you can what what was originally done through dialogue. It, was enough to describe what uh, what happened. We don't actually need to see that scene. Scene's the worst. If anything, it makes you dislike TS that much more. That opening scene. Yeah, right? he comes up pretty hot there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's like th- throw, throwing guy. shade at the girlfriend. Yeah, uh, he's he just seems like a he just seems like a hothead uh, teen. Like it just. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, doesn't do anything for me. I think the movie's better without that scene. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's my take. And even still, I like I like the you know you guys mentioned the scene with Jason Lee Brody. Uh, you know the the real start basic start of the movie where it's in his basement, gets broken up with, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I honestly, part of me was like, you could probably cut that and just have it start with them talking. F- in the like in the car and on the walk into the mall and it would still serve a purpose like they just change the dialogue a bit yeah that's just my take on it uh i think that would be enough i understand the ridiculousness of uh of the whole thing and appreciate it but uh well, yeah that's just my take Mallrats, Mallrats to me has more bigger laughs uh but it doesn't do as much for me as a movie as Clerks, so I'd recommend Clerks overall to to people. Both are watches, though. I would say you have to you have to watch both of them from a, a standpoint of understanding Kevin Smith and the View Universe, or just uh, just in general, they're they're movies that a lot of movies probably these days and will for a while uses a reference point so you'd be like oh yeah that's kind of like mall rats or that's kind of like clerks right so it's good to have watched those films just from that standpoint as well ah, yeah oh, are we still recording tim yeah we are still <laughs> recording we're up to 46 <laughs> minutes and 29 30 seconds um, and uh some some fun facts i dropped beforehand um uh, LaFour is, is actually uh, also in Gladiator. He's uh, one of the guys that Russell Crowe has to fight when there's the tigers in the in the Coliseum. And then um, I also thought it was quite funny that Michael Rooker, he, he plays, um, oh, geez, what's his name? Quill in Guardians of the Galaxy. So you could almost argue that he's had kind of the most successful career out of the whole <laughs> cast and crew. 
of Mallrats, where he's just playing kind of a second tier character. I guess he's kind of the he's the antagonist, I suppose, the prime antagonist, so not a second tier character. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Michael Rooker, I know you're a fan of the show. One day we got to do a Michael Rooker episode because I think that's going to be uh, like there's a bunch of movies I haven't seen yet. Uh, Henry, a portrait of a serial killer, is highly recommended uh, amongst these people. That's how he got recommended for this job, even though he's just the uh, the angry dad in it. But they they love that movie so much they they reached out specifically to grab him. But uh, I think he kind of gets passed over a lot. He's done a lot of different interesting roles. Well, and it's interesting, too, because then, like, Stan Lee, was he scouting him way back then? It's like, <laughs> oh, maybe we, maybe we could use you in a Guardians of the Galaxy if we ever did that. And, uh, you know, comic book movies became famous again. And I find it really um, incredible that Kevin Smith was able to pull Stan Lee in to the movie and not only have him, you know, appear in the film, but also do some comic book type art for a lot of the characters. I think that Mm. might speak to the times because like early nineties is a completely different world from now where like did Batman, Batman would have just came out because they had the bit with the grappling hook, uh, 1989. So that would have been pretty big. And, uh, comic books are kind of at its height before the big collapse where they, uh, they kind of sold themselves at their out. height. I would say they kind of just peeked in a little bit. Uh, the like comic books Batman. themselves, like uh, Superman the and book... Batman, were the two movies. Oh, that were... yeah, yeah. Or for the, the movies, comic books themselves. Yeah, for comic, comic books, book yeah, stores. Yeah. This is just as they're peaking, and people are starting to go out and buy books. But then it, there's the big collapse just after this. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the whole comic book thing is kind of interesting, actually, because I was thinking more, Tim, about talking about how indie films, I think, aren't done. And then I was thinking another conversation we've had along those lines is, is it all sequels and yeah. and uh, going to be superhero movies and that? I'm like, it's kind of it's kind of cyclical, right? Like that, that was kind of a thing. I think the mid 90s to early 2000s kind of got away with got away from sequels and reboots and stuff like that for the most part. And you saw a lot of original content, uh, but you know, we're kind of in that phase where sequels are a big thing. I think it, it'll come back around. Just it's kind of how things work. It seems we just kind of fall into old habits and then get out of them uh, as a society. Right. And yeah. I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of comic book movies aside from Batman and Superman that were thing, or even TV shows were big. Comic book TV shows were huge since like the 70s, right? Like Wonder Woman was a thing in the 70s. Uh, Hulk, Captain America, the Hulk, the Hulk. Oh, Captain America was so bad. I remember renting that when I was a kid, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, it's Captain America. This is great." And I watched it, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is garbage." Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. Flash. Flash. <laughs> was he a comic book originally? Uh, uh, yeah, I think Flash Gordon was a comic book originally, wasn't okay. Flash Gordon? For some reason, I want to guess. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was like a, a a serial, like a radio serial back in the day, but I don't know. Yeah, a quarterback that gets chosen to save the universe. Uh, what do you mean, Flash Gordon approaching? 
Yeah, Flash Gordon, Spaceman hero of the science fiction comic strip Flash Gordon, created in 1934. Wow. Yeah, Flash Gordon was a comic. Oh my god. Yeah, and we could have we could have simply asked uh, we could ask Brody. He would have known. Oh yeah, he would have tore us apart too. Yeah. <laughs> that Banky and him tracing all the time. <laughs> is he? Uh, yeah. The, is that pre or post uh, the introduction of like comic book guy? Like that seems to be a very. I think comic book character. guy was. I think he was probably around that time. Yeah. Maybe they based him off of Kevin Smith a little bit and took some creative liberties with the look. <laughs> Brody's personality, Kevin's looks. Yeah, exactly. It's no it's not possible. He'd have to wear a kryptonite condom. Comic book guy first appeared in uh the second season episode Three Men and a comic book in nineteen ninety one. Oh, that's really old, yeah. Compared yeah. compared to clerks and uh mall rats. Yeah, about yeah, six but... years prior. <laughs> yeah, not even only three. That's not bad. Really? Yeah. Season two of The Simpsons. Yep, nineteen ninety one. Season two of The Simpsons. And Simpsons. Clerks came out ninety three. Ninety four. Ah, so, yeah, okay. three years. Yeah, I thought it was ninety five. Um, are we uh, all wrapped up with Mallrats? Any other points? I think Possibly so. Right now. So, so, so that kind of dives into the next movie. We've talked about this movie before a little bit. Chasing Amy. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a little bit different for for Kevin Smith films. So you've two comic book artists, so a recurring theme <laughs> in that standpoint. Well, then Banky, and everything's going good for them until they meet Alyssa, also a comic book artist. Holden falls for her, but his hopes are crushed when he finds out she's a lesbian been a while since i've seen this movie uh but the last time i watched it and like thinking about it you know tim tim and i have talked about this where it really her character joey lauren adams character holds up to this day as just a strong female character which is great and wasn't written kevin smith was kind of a early in in writing those characters he was a front runner for that so kudos to him for this yeah she's a kick-ass character for sure yeah uh yeah uh, the uh, what we had talked about before basically was like her her ability to accept that uh like she was a sexual creature and didn't make apologies for it which i think is pretty rare in any movie uh, leading up until now and even in the end in the big dramatic moment where the male character is trying to humble himself by offering up a threesome she can quietly and respectfully tell him that that's not something that you want slap him across the face like I'm not your whore and go about her life and even in the end even after the apology not fall back in love with Ben Affleck like that's it's an important... and it's so hard not to, right? It's so hard not to. Armageddon? Look at J Lo. Phantoms. Look at J Lo. J Lo. Also, going with uh, South Park's theory, or they did an episode of the evil version of certain characters to give them goatees. <laughs> Doesn't Ben Affleck look really fucking evil with a goatee? Like he almost looks like a Bond villain to a certain point, or like a Bond villain's son. 
I'm glad the goatee has fallen out of favor. No one looks good. I like uh, Dante had I one. No, <laughs> he has one. It's fucking yeah. nasty. I was gonna say too. It's like he almost looks like one of uh, John Travolta's sons in the Punisher movie. And then I remembered, oh, there was a Punisher movie back in the '80s, I think, with Dolph Lundgren. You were right. It's another comic book movie. Mm. Yeah. Uh, hot take before we, we we keep moving, but. Uh... John Travolta's Punisher is one of my like top five comic book movies of all time. It was so good. With Thomas Jane, it's actually really good. You get uh, Kevin Nash in there too. Thomas, Jane's I didn't mind it. I think it's a lot better than Warzone Punisher. Yeah, yeah. Like Jigsaw was such a horrible bad guy. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't say it was right up there. But Tim, if you haven't seen The Road Warrior yet, watch that. And let me know what that scene reminds uh, where there's a certain scene that you'll recognize. And let me know where you recognize that from. It's from the Punisher. Ooh. Well, vice versa. The Punisher got it from Road Warrior. I'll definitely do that. <laughs> Interesting. 100%. Yep. But yeah, good. I, I didn't mind it at all. I would say it's in my top. Yeah. Uh, top 15. For superhero movies. We'll have to do, we'll have to do a discussion on comic superhero movies. movies? In general. Yeah. Oh man, there's so many different ways you can go with a superhero movie too. What technically yeah, exactly. defines a superhero? Are we gonna have Unbreakable in this fucking <laughs> ranking? Uh, definitely. Um, one thing we uh, should hit with uh, Chasing Amy because I I think that we've pretty much gone over everything that we can with that one. Is that uh, the one of the points that uh, I think Chalupa made the last time we had talked about it, maybe it was Brian, that uh, the there's a reoccurring theme right now of a pair of guys that that's going through. Like we talked about, was it Wes Anderson and like broken father figures? Here you have a good and a bad friend, or at least yeah. one that seems more juvenile. Character foils in a sense. Character yeah. foils. Great fucking pull, man. That is good that's one of my favorite things in movies is like uh, Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty. Yes. I love a good mm-hmm. character foil. Or if you go watch Tombstone, great Western, by the way, probably one of my favorites. Um, you got Doc Holliday and uh, Johnny Ringo. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go ahead. Just that we're but starting yeah, to see that it, theme emerge. Yeah, that theme definitely uh definitely has emerged through most of most of his films right uh chasing amy just solidifies it when you get your olden and banky uh and then small rats you got ts and uh brody ts and brody you got you have randall and dante jay and silent bob and lots of lots of pairs and then like a little bit what's um I was going to ask, is that a little bit meta where like he's looking at the characters he's written so far and like they spend every day, all day talking to each other where they're basically obsessed with one another and making one of the yeah. characters gay. It's a 90 minute long gay joke. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's curious. I'm quoting a movie, like, everybody. I'm quoting a movie. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's, like, referential to the movies he's written so far and, like, looking at the characters and seeing their development and being like, yeah, I guess it, it, you are so obsessed that, like, maybe these characters are kind of closeted for each other. Yeah. Oh, and then also uh, you got uh, Loki and Bartleby in uh, Dogma as well. 
Yeah, which Brian is a good transition. Yeah. Which is, Dogma is the next film on the list. So and fucking good. Brian and I talked about this before. Definitely our favorite. But, well, yeah. My favorite. I, I know you brought it up too, but yeah. I totally yeah, forgot yeah. about it. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I love Dogma for so many reasons. One, the dialogue in it has some of the best dialogue. Like the fact that Loki this is almost is... Tarantino-like. Yeah. So there's going to be some spoiler alerts with this movie. And the first one being that it starts one of the way one of one of the ways that some of the characters are introduced to the film is when Loki is convincing a nun that God doesn't exist. And he, he's referencing Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Through the looking glass. So good. Yeah. <laughs> uh Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's through the Looking Glass, uh, the Walrus and the Carpenter, and he uh, he. <laughs> it, it's hilarious. The Walrus representing Buddha for his portly shape, and then you have Car- uh, you have the Carpenter, who's obviously Jesus. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. The Walrus, Buddha, um, <laughs> or Ganesha. I think he said, or with his tusks. Yeah, with the with with the jaunty yeah. tusks. Yeah. <laughs> uh and then he also uh and then it spoiler alert because we'll tell you what the movie's about but finishes the conversation hops onto a chair next to bartleby his friend and bartleby's like i don't get it you know for a fact that there is a god you've been in his presence yet i just heard you claim to be an atheist He's like, yeah, I just like to fuck with the clergy. <laughs> it's so good. I like to keep it on their toes, you know. Yeah, it's it's such a good character, and Matt Damon is really well cast for Loki. Like it, he he plays Loki so well, and Ben Affleck plays Bartleby really well too. Like they fit very well, and they have such a good dynamic together. Obviously, right? But 100%. so the premise of Dogma is there's two. We'll call them, uh, I wouldn't say fallen, but there's two angels who have been kicked out of heaven uh, for various deeds that they have done, and they found a loophole to get back into heaven. So, interestingly enough, a female, a random-ass female in New Jersey has been tasked with stopping these angels from re-entering heaven. And that's a, a very, very high-level description of what the plot is of this movie, because there's so much more to it. And you have a, a really great cast. Uh, I think Linda Fiorentino, as Bethany, she does such a great job. You you truly believe that it's a person who uh, doesn't who's a Catholic who just is going through the motions. Yep. Yeah, yeah, big time. She's definitely <laughs> probably. I would definitely probably she is definitely one of the best casts casted. Pardon me, and uh, mm-hmm. best actors or that performed very well in one of Kevin Smith's movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and I, I think I think this is one of Ben Affleck's better ones before he became a director and really started establishing himself. Because at this time he was still like the pretty boy and everything, and mm-hmm. like he he did a really good job. 
in this film, along with Matt Damon. I think this is just after Goodwill Hunting or just before? I think it's after. Yeah, it's, it's around it's, that time. It's, it's 99, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's I interesting think. that you brought up Linda Fiorentini. Was her name? Um, Fiorentino, yeah. Fiorentino. Uh, apparently, she was notoriously hard to work with, and she was a terror on this set. She was a terror <laughs> on Men in Black to the point that... Uh, right. Who, who played opposite of Will Smith in that? That was... Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee yeah. Jones said he would never come back to I hear he can be very difficult movie. to work with, too. Yeah. And like, in this is the 90s, so I'm curious to know if, like, was she an actual terror what she did but like it did not come off on screen she fucking killed it like yeah she had I, good chemistry the I only two the only two it. that uh, it seems that they kind of get agitated with each other would be uh the muse serendipity <laughs> and yeah. her from time to time i'm like wow she's like salma hayek's really throwing it back at her a couple of times <laughs> yeah i'm a muse stupid <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> One of the best line readings in Eddie. Smith I'm you, stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's, so it's she so became a he. <laughs> Janine Garofalo. Uh, she was in it for momentarily in the beginning. A little cameo, yeah. There's the abortion but... clinic together. Yeah. Uh, you have George Carlin as Cardinal Glick, and he does such a good job too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with Buddy Buddy Christ. <laughs> oh man. One of my one of my buddies growing up, his brother had the little figurine. Yeah. And it sat right next to his computer and I was like, Who is this guy? I need to watch this movie. Yeah. Jason uh, Lee is a demon. Mm-hmm. See, this this movie is great because there's only a few deep discussions that happen. Yeah. Right? I'm thinking there's the discussion on the train. Yes. Or they're on the train. And there's the one where they're eating breakfast after her car breaks down breaks down and they run into Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of the the big, deep, random discussions in the movie. There's other ones, but they're not as there's uh well Bartleby and Loki have that heavy discussion after the train. Yeah. Yeah. And like I would, Bartleby I would kind has of gone that into the train total well. renegade or total yeah. rogue, and then he's really like he's he's got a new mentality. That is mm-hmm. one of my favorite scenes in any of the movies that we've watched recently, and it just struck me that the the well, you have Matt Damon and Ben fucking Affleck acting together in an empty space, playing off of each other, but that switch. Mm-hmm. Where Matt Damon, Loki, who has been tasked to burn down entire cities and commit genocide, is like, you sound like the Dawn Star. Like, it, it just, and, and Ben Affleck's rage coming through. I thought that was so fucking well played and, and intricate in the, in the, con, the dialogue. I don't know if they've, because, you know, obviously they have writing credits of their own, uh, which, by the way, last week it actually came out that they wanted they forgot to thank Kevin Smith in the Oscars for helping them get Goodwill Hunting made. But like, oh no, <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, for, for and they had to pay scene, for that. For I don't chance know if Bob they, Strike Back. Yeah, <laughs> hunting season. Uh, I, I don't know if in that scene it plays so well because Matt and Ben took the idea of what Kevin wanted to say and did the masterclass 
of a Kevin Smith dialogue in there. Well, and it's it shows you depth of character that some of his movies don't really have. Like, I really feel some of his characters are just very linear sometimes. Yeah. Like, you know who Dante's going to be. You know that's not going to change. But then the whole first half of the movie, like, Loki's kind of the unhinged little crazy one, and Bartleby's the calculated one. Yeah. And then it completely flips the script with that scene, right? Because one of my favorite scenes in movies in general is uh, is the movie's boardroom scene with Loki. Yeah, yeah. Mm. he's got the little uh, voodoo doll made of onion. <laughs> mm. Didn't say bless you when I sneezed. <laughs> Loki, Loki. <laughs> you're on thin ice. <laughs> Uh, the way like uh, I'm I'm trying to learn from you guys and I was paying attention to the actual soundtrack uh, and the as that scene is booting up and you have the Disney World movies kind of knockoff song playing this like innocent beat as everything else is happening they're playing with the tone so well oh there's just like the random like swag too like you got the poster of Surly Duck and I'm like (laughs) that's a cartoon I can get behind (laughs) Yeah. Oh God. Uh, and even son. just the uh, the the little details that that build up the relationship that Bartleby and Loki have, and just like how long that they've been friends for, like when they're like, uh, "This coming from the guy who still owes me ten bucks." <laughs> yeah. Like over what was going to be the bigger movie, ET or Crush Groove? <laughs> <laughs> It's coming back. Time Time's gonna tell on that one. Tell on that one. Yeah, lots of background stuffs happening too. You kind of notice, like, especially in the when Bartleby and Loki are passing through the airport, you just see in the back background the nun running around and everything, doing her thing. And uh, I also wanted to touch on Jay between Jay and Silent Bob. I think this is one of his funniest movies, and his character plays like. Both him and Sal Bob do play a bit larger of a role, uh, uh, you know, until they have their own movie. But I thought their their characters were really well um, written for their roles. You know, you have, you know, Sal Bob, who's always loyal and he's kind of the muscle. And then you have Jay that's just fucking everything up. And then every now and then he's kind of smart and drops a clever line or a nudge or something. I mm-hmm. I actually cried uh, when uh, Kev, uh, like Silent Bob, was carrying out the body of Bethany. If for whatever reason this time, like that, just I was like, oh shit! Like it, it was sad. There, there was that emotional, like uh, uh, peak, I guess, at that at point. I liked it. Yeah, I laughed out loud when I watched it again, and Jay <laughs> has that one part. It's like, who the fuck are you? Who? Why did that guy's head explode? Why were you hugging my head? I want some answers, lady. What the fuck? And then she kisses him on the cheek, and he's all like, "Whoa, what's up?" Oh my god! End of the world. It's like, oh yeah, I hear that. And he like wants to fuck her still. <laughs> yeah. You said if we yeah. had five minutes left to live, I, which is, I have more appreciation for Jay and Silent Bob now that I realize that that's just a joke. Like, I thought when I was a kid growing up with the way that people love those characters, I thought that they seriously thought that that was good. 
But now that I see that that it's just a, a dumb joke that like even got onto Scream and you know they did cameos and fanboys like it's they're supposed to be one note characters and given depth yeah. in their own movies like yeah though Kevin Smith does have a line in Dogma he does. no ticket <laughs> he has two he has two yeah. and then later on it's just like hey, if you clear up your language I might give you a, let the big man know you know put a good word in for you it's like oh thanks. Um, but I do love when they're in the car and they're like bobbing their heads back and forth. And it's like, what gear are you in? Gear. <laughs> blows the, <laughs> blows the Yeah. There are some great lines in that one. Like Jason Lee's got some classics and, uh, I like his character, except I noticed, I always thought it was a white suit, but it's a white suit with a corduroy jacket. And I'm like, Ooh, that doesn't look, that looks super tacky. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do better agreed Agreed. i'm a fucking demon (laughs) said it himself i'm a i was an artist uh oh big deal i uh yeah i would elvis was an artist (laughs) (laughs) and that's why he's the king i a little i would recommend dogma to anyone yeah yeah, Sally and like Hyde just did a good job too. Like I know she was in a, yeah. a limited role, but uh, yeah. Mm. Is that a Quentin Tarantino? Uh, maybe he's had a message on him, like from Con Air. Because she heard of me. It was that a nod to Quentin Tarantino, like as the stripper, because she would have been in Dust Till Dawn around. That yeah, time, that was right? her first breakout role, I think. And yeah, maybe maybe it's just like, hey, Salma Hayek maybe. as a stripper. Huh. Maybe yeah, could be. Not sure. I'm sure uh, young Brian can look it up. See, uh... I don't know if Kevin Smith movies are all supposed to have like. And I learned this week, but like Dogma is definitely a story about trying to retain your faith in a crazy world, and you know. Oh, it just shows the follies of it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Blind faith uh, is uh... kind of dangerous, but a good idea can go a long way. Just fan theory, it seems like mostly. Mm. Just oh, fan theory, you, nothing solid. Not to mention, like how awesome uh, Alan Rickman, you know, coming oh, in as the Metatron. Oh, so great! <laughs> I am the Metatron, so voice of the one true God. <laughs> <laughs> you have to use the whole bloody canister. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, like, I also wondered, like with that fish. I, I, like watching Jay and Sound Bob strike back, I wonder if there is that kind of connection to, um, or not a connection, but a re- relatable situation, such as uh, Indiana Jones, when he has the Holy Grail and he drinks from it. So is Indiana Jones immortal? And then when J- you have Jay and Sound Bob, are they blessed and looked after by God? So that's why they kind of get out of the pinches all the time, they don't get actually shot. You know, think thin, fat ass, think thin. And like, fire a warning shot in his ass, but they don't get hit. We even though it's a shotgun. And then he's able to squeak through. Is there a higher a higher power looking out for Chalupa, I would watch the fuck out of that movie. If you're like, it's the end of times and uh, Jay and Silent Bob are called upon again, the prophets. That's... Mm. <sighs> I could go for a dog with a part two. Yeah. In a world without God, especially with the the the, the last the last last scion. 
Huh. Or Zion. I, don't know. I like that theory, man. I'm that, not that's Catholic. Cool. And like oh. why they didn't recognize, uh, what's his name? Chris Rock's uh, director character in Genesis Bob Strike Back. It's like, oh my God, the apostle. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess before we move on to the uh, Jay and Silent Bob, but uh, yeah, Chris Rock, we never really talked about too much. We you'd mentioned that his line readings were a little bit rougher, like this being one of his first roles. I, I find that when he was just doing a monologue, he was fine. But like when you notice, pardon me, when you notice that uh, he's about to start one, he starts it from the edit mm-hmm. a couple mm-hmm. times. So then he's like, "All right, and go and like spew out your line." Whereas if it's like they speak, they speak, he speaks, it's kind of a little like not convincing in my opinion. Yeah. 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 No, that's valid. I think that's valid. And, you know, he's there to add uh, obviously another comedic diversity. presence <laughs> and uh, yeah, to, to be a little wrinkle. Right, uh, yeah. being the thirteenth apostle and being black is very, very funny. Rufus. Uh, it, it makes for great dialogue and just makes you think. Like, yeah, you know what? It makes sense that there would be, especially in that area, that there would be someone dark if this was a real story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that it wouldn't just be a bunch of white dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah, know exactly. Well, like, and that's a. I guess you could, I don't know. I, I don't want to use the word theory because there's a lot of evidence pointing that Jesus would not be white. Um, <laughs> but yeah. like, just like the conversation that he brings up and how nonchalant he is, this is like, you knew Christ? And this is like, no, I'm shitty. He owes me 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. But God, uh, yeah, he's no, proving like, it's, it's how just like, he knows, uh, like, like how he's truly uh, undead. And he's like, uh, yeah, you jerk off more than anybody in the world. <laughs> Everybody knows that when you do it, you're thinking about guys. <laughs> yeah. Not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the flow of the movie is very good. Um, you know, it, it really, and like the surprise of seeing Bartleby and Loki on the train. It's like, what? No, great. An interesting yeah. move that you don't see a lot in movies is where you have the protagonist and then an antagonist having a, a meeting like without the mm-hmm. confrontation because they they don't know that they're mm-hmm. at opposites yet so you get that natural back and forth which is a a cool writing trick i guess you'd call it yeah 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 i definitely feel like this out of all kevin smith's movies had the most depth with writing Absolutely. And a poop monster. I always like when you have the antagonist and protagonist that have, well, again, bringing up character foils, but there's points where um, they respect each other. It's like yeah. talking about the the really good uh, bank heist movie, Heat, and you have Al Pacino and Robert De Niro sitting down talking to one another. And it's all, they're only on screen together for like something stupid, like six minutes or whatever. But it's like apparently that was like, that's like one of the most intense scenes for a movie because you're like, you're waiting for this build up the whole time. And then it's all this and then nothing's happening. Carry on with the movie. Anyway, back to Kevin Smith, Jan's not Bob mm-hmm. strike back 2001 release. 
a couple of weeks before September 11th, it really kicked this movie Ooh. in the nuts. They were apparently doing gangbusters, or maybe months, but uh, yeah, leading up to this, they were doing really, really well with Jay and Silent Bob. So people didn't really like the whole terrorist talk with the clit. Well, it, it was more so that they had more uh, bigger things to, to think about than uh, a, a silly a silly adventure. Like, it, it kind of... Mm-hmm. People didn't want to laugh. My, my joke about their terrorist group in the movie like, was over. I the guess. click commander. Yeah. I am the click. Okay. Uh, so Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Uh, there's a comic, Blunt Man and Chronic, which is based off Jay and Silent Bob. But they were getting, they realized they're getting no profit from a big screen adaptation. So they set out to basically ruin the movie. That, yeah. that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, Jay's trying to kibosh the whole thing, and it's an adventure across the country. We touched yeah. a little bit on it with our top, uh, our toe-to-toe in 60 or so um, top five road trip movies. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun movie. Uh, super silly. Yeah, it is one of the only ways I can describe it, and it yeah, brings humor for sure. And it brings in a lot of the main characters through the Kevin Smith, the Viewers universe. It brings a lot of them in. So you've uh, obviously Jay and Silent Bob, you have Randall, Holden, uh, Brody, and Banky. <laughs> uh, Jason Lee playing both characters. What? Uh, and then you get some new characters. So Sean William Scott comes in. I think this is his first appearance in any of the uh, any of the movies. The and uh, he does get to act in some of the other movies down the road. Um, he uh, and then you obviously have the badass bitches. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, isn't in, one of them married to Kevin Smith? Uh, yes. Yeah, Jennifer I think Swan. it's uh, yeah, Missy. <laughs> Missy, Sissy, Chrissy, and Justice. Yeah. Boo boo kitty fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you got a you got a cameo from Will Farrell. Yeah. And this is the wildlife marshal. He did a I really like job. it how when they bump into um part of me, Jason Biggs and Vanderbeek. And they're asking Jason Biggs if he ever hooked up with the Eastern European girl. He's like, what, Shannon? Yeah, no. And it's like, <laughs> Shannon Elizabeth's in the movie. Yeah. Who would have yeah. thought? It's, uh, it's entertaining. You have, uh, you have Wes Craven in it as well. Mm. <laughs> uh, just. So what? <laughs> or and Gus Van Zandt. I was like, so what, Gus? Action? I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're an art. <laughs> what does he say? You're true artist, Gus. <laughs> I feel uh, like Chris Rock's in this one again. The whole monkey bit is a reference to one of the like an after scene for one of the older movies, like uh, Mallrats. Mallrats. They were walking yeah, away with the end monkey because like, that's the name of the monkey is Suzanne, and then Weezer is singing Suzanne at the end of Mallrats. Hmm. Yeah, People, uh, we love this monkey. 
It's an ape. <laughs> mm. it, if you if you like kind of that silly stoner comedy type feel, it's it's a good like lighthearted sit back and veg out to it. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Uh, are you going to get much from it? Absolutely not. But it kind of fits that that motif that you're looking for. Just like you see the cover and you're like, okay, cool. It's no Harold and Kumar, but uh, it's a good stoner comedy, I think. They didn't have anything Agreed. to say, but they let themselves have fun, I think, with this movie. Yeah. Oh, they had lo- well, they tie in and they bring people back in, like their characters and everything, too. So you get to see that guy. Yeah. It's like, oh, what, what, what's he up to these days? Which I mean. And still a, even still a profitable movie. Yeah. Even with everything that happened. Still made money. I feel like like this is the self-referential thing that like could be detrimental but like this would be a perfect netflix movie for a director that had built his own universe or the jersey verse or whatever like hey here's all the characters that you love and a story that you'll like but i don't think anybody walking in off the street that didn't know the previous movies would really enjoy this unless they're high as shit Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think this is a good sentiment. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't really have much more to say about it. I think the next movie uh, and we're not gonna have much to say about farts. either, which is which is Jersey Girl. <laughs> so have you? Guys I remember seeing seen like Jersey maybe Girl? like five minutes of this when I was in my teens because my sister rented it, and I was like, "Ah, that's Kevin Smith. That's cool. All right, bye." <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, you want the the one papaya. thing? Uh, the one the one scene from Jane Silent Bob going back real quick that I really that I really liked was the. Uh, just the ridiculousness of it was the when they're in the we're in the diner and they're doing the fuck the police fuck the police fuck 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 the police and like kevin smith's like do just <laughs> dancing in the just sitting next to the monkey <laughs> it's uh it's a good scene it's a memorable scene that i uh that always sticks out to me when i think of that movie it's that kind of silly humor, though, that, like, if you appreciate that kind of humor, you'll like the movie. But, yeah, back to Jersey Girl. Sorry for cutting you off. <laughs> <laughs> Anything exciting about Jersey Girl? I watched it once. Uh, made it through it. Just not a good movie. Not good at all. With how much Kev has trashed this movie over the years, because I missed it in the original... I just never bothered to go back and check it out. That it, it seems like it's reviled amongst his movies. Yeah, and there's just like Liv Tyler to me is not a really good actress at all. <laughs> she's not a great actress. Uh, she's worse than Renee Zellweger, but it gives me very similar vibes. Ooh. Sorry, yeah. Renee. I agree yeah. with you wholeheartedly, though. Renee is overrated. Yeah. Uh, but they give me, they're very similar in terms of like Liv Tyler gives me that kind of like bland white chick vibe. 
Yeah, big time. One of the few roles I actually liked Liv Tyler, Tyler in was in Rain Over Me. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, that's a, that's definitely a better role for her. Which is, like, you're a bland white girl that's a therapist. <laughs> yeah. she. It's not a far stretch for her. Mm-hmm. I guess she did all right in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, but you don't really have to act all that hard to be distant and cold. Oh, you're nope. an elf now. And she did a great damn job. Uh, interesting fact, $35 million budget, $36.1 million box office pull. So even though it got panned and absolutely destroyed, it still pulled made a money. It still made a profit of $1.1 million just from the box Woo! office. Yeah, Thank so God. Kevin Smith's career keeps going because of that. Because that is a career-ending movie for some people. If oh, that bombs time. and they spent $35 million to make it and it made like ten, good luck getting anything done. You're going to be making Clerks 2 for fifty. Out of your own pocket, fifty thousand. <laughs> yeah. uh, which is a segue because his next movie is Clerks Two. Uh, before we get to Clerks Two, I just want to quickly uh, say this is uh, it's interesting the world that Kevin has built at this point because he's already done a couple of the evenings with. He's uh, specifically gotten on and like commentates his deleted scenes on the DVDs. He's uh, active on the internet all the time uh, with his fans. And then he has the comic book store in Red Bank, which people from across the world has traveled to a brick and mortar store where they could like have a chance at seeing Jay or go to book signings or just buy the shit that he has created in this universe, which branding wise, I don't think we really see many directors do the same thing or have at that point until now. So he accidentally or on purpose, like you said, like he had his friends involved. He built a world that was self-sustaining with an audience that could feed into itself consistently. I think that audience might be getting older now, but uh, you know, you got a good 15, 20 year run of people that are just like built into this world. It's crazy. Mm. yeah yeah he's definitely he's definitely built a world and there's almost a cultish level following for him at this point mm-hmm. absolutely and it's, it's not a bad thing but that's why i thought we definitely end up fighting fighting more about whether he was good or not because tim you you do come across to me as a bit of a kevin smith fanboy a little bit yeah and that's okay but I thought you'd fight me more on some of my critiques of him. Well, so I appreciate the fact that even if you do like him, and even if you are a fanboy, which I'm no longer certain, you can still recognize uh, recognize someone's faults. Yeah. Stuff uh, to do. Because you back it up with logic and reason. is easy to see your point. It's not just out-of-hand dislike for him. So I, uh, yeah. it's an easy logic to follow. And unfortunately, like we might not get it to it in this episode, but Kev of recent years has put some distance. Is it's just so much overexposure. He's he's oversaturated the world with Kevin Smith. And for the hundred thousandth time on this podcast, tell him Steve, Dave, 
I know the guys that formed his humor and made him who he is. So I've fanboyed on to the progenitors more than actual Kevin Smith at this point. I still have a great appreciation mm-hmm. for the man. That's definitely for sure. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. So what's your thoughts on clerks too? Uh, Rosario Dawson fuck she's good like she gets to play Ahsoka Katana later and another Kev Smith uh, character that would be into Men in Black uh, as the female lead but uh, she she pulled that movie together for me um, the scene on the, the the top of the house Kevin uh, Clerks 2 is the quick stop is burnt down now they have to go work at a uh, fast food restaurant Dante is still whiny about like his life not going anywhere. So he's just going to mix his life up with a girl and go down to Florida and start a, uh, and run his father-in-law's uh, car wash or something. But uh, in that malaise, you, you've got this amazing character in Rosario Dawson who had the dance scene on the roof was so enigmatic that like I fell in love with her. That was so awesome. Um, the best you, I I would say the best, and maybe it's just because of the last movie I saw a, a portrayal of Jay and Silent Bob, where they're having fun and you know they're working on their sobriety while they're selling drugs out front of the store. Um, selling yeah. drugs out front of a movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I love this movie. I I did not like it originally when I saw it, but just coming off of that before the recording. I'm uh, I'm pretty hot on Clerks too. What do you guys think? Without ruining the joke, the Star Wars Lord of the Rings debate <laughs> is one of the best discussions that Dante and Randall have had. It transcends most of the movies because once again, it's a debate that we've all had. What's the better trilogy? Uh, but watching them make fun of the trilogies is hilarious. Jeff Anderson has grown as an actor quite a bit from Clerks uh, to play. I like Jeff a lot. I think he's really funny. Mm-hmm. His delivery is like his candor is just great. I feel like we yeah. all want to be Randall, but we're all actually Dante at heart. <laughs> it's that duality of like wanting to. Tim, be are you supposed scene. to be in today? Don't get me started. <laughs> uh, the introduction of uh, who was uh, the 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 other guy working with them. Uh, they would talked about pillow pants, the uh, panties troll. Um, oh, um, I can pull it up. But... Get in there, getting there. Uh, of course, it's not listed in the main. In hands. Uh, well, he's looking at <laughs> that. Jennifer Schwab plays now I... Dante's uh, fiance. Uh, she was uh, in reboot. This is a different character. Who was that Alanis Morissette you said? Uh, Jennifer Schwabuck, uh, his wife. Oh, Jennifer Schwabuck. Jennifer Schwabuck. Yeah, we've got to mention that with Dogma. Alanis Morissette plays God. (laughs) Elias Grover. Elias. Sorry, plays Pillow Pants. (laughs) Uh, That's the name of the character. Trevor Furman is who portrays him. 19-year-old born-again Christian employee at Movies Fast Food Restaurant <laughs> in Leonardo, New Jersey. Just 
taking abuse. <laughs> Actually, at Bible Camp, we made a flowchart that shows that Transformers are a gift from God. Fucking <laughs> lies was so good, but like the the idea that like this weird kid is now just a part of the gang that Randall, the sarcastic mean guy, is going to take him under his wing in his own demented way. I thought was fun, and uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry to jump in again, but I wanted to hear you guys' thoughts on Clerks too. Mm-hmm. it totally by the way i completely fucked up because now that like it's been a while since i've seen clerks too but him making fun of lord of the rings and the lord of the rings versus star wars it's randall and elias it's not dante and randall why did i think it was dante and randall and the customer mm-hmm. there's the a customer the in there too pukes. yeah yeah Oh, it's all coming back to me now. It's good pull bringing up uh, bringing up Elias. It's all come- and he gets to be in Clerks 3. That's coming up soon. Uh, the, the pictures are out. Um, it's, uh, yeah. The, the ending scene in the jail cell where Dante is coming to his personal reconciliation with his actions trying to blame everything on randall which seems like a a nice kind of uh or like a a nice little wrap-up to the characters that we've seen like we were talking about throughout all these movies where you have these these pairs um he's trying to blame randall for ruining his life when he's the one that got his boss pregnant when he's the one that has done all this shit and uh, just kind of coming to terms with the fact that he just wants to hang out with his friend and have fun, which I thought was pretty cool. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it speaks to me that, like, you would step outside of the, the world and the rat race and what you you should be trying to attain. And, like, all they want to do is just be clerks, just to open up the quick stop again. Yeah. Chalupa, what do you, uh, you want to... What do you want to talk about with Clerks? You've been relatively quiet. It's because I don't really remember it so well. Um, when I did watch it, I wasn't the biggest fan. Um, yeah, I didn't you really... like the donkey scene? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I thought, thought it was kind of stretching too much to Clerks, the original. And then uh, just in, in color... But I, I did like at the end that they did open the quick stop again. Yeah. And got that going and Jan and Bob right outside. Uh, there are some funny moments. There. You never go ask him how. <laughs> and uh, then uh, yeah. Jane and Tom Bob have some good little cutaway scenes where they steal the show outside of the movie. But mm. yeah. yeah. I don't know. It didn't really resonate with me. I wouldn't really... <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't put it up there for Kevin Smith movies, but uh, yeah, like bringing um, Rosario Dawson, definitely a good pull, and her character, she's a great actress too. So she, her character suited her well, and uh, yeah, she owned it, kicked ass. Mm-hmm. But uh, I uh, yeah. maybe it's worth a rewatch for me to kind of weigh in a little bit more because there are things that I really liked about this movie, and then there are things where I was like, all right. 
This is like the the peak of Kevin Smith childishness. I, yeah, it, I, I might need to do another rewatch as well. Let's give it a, yeah. a true. Because I remember watching Jansson Bob Strike Back, and I'm like, oh my god, this will be great too. And I was like, eh. yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I may have to give it a rewatch before saying whether it's a uh, whether it's good or not. But there are enough moments in the movie that for now I think I'd recommend it as a watch just because there's enough moments to carry the movie as long as you don't get turned off by like the absolute ridiculousness. Like the donkey show is just that it's like, (laughs) it's just like as far as Kevin Smith could possibly push it basically. Yeah. I, the, the donkey show aside with kinky Kelly, um, it might be worth a rewatch and I, I don't want to overhype it too much. Cause I tend to do that. Like I, the, the second that I've stopped watching a movie, I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, I do that. The same thing with like the moon landing conspiracies, whatever's the last thing I see, I believe. But, um, this movie feels like rewatching all these movies. They all hit different at different stages in your life. And for me, where I'm at now, it's funny that like it would hit me that much harder to see a friend reaching out to another friend to be like, this is this, these were, these times were special. Let's, let's have that. And it's weird to have that conversation in your thirties with people that you're close to that. You're like, Hey, I just, I need this moment. Like, or I, I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to go off on this different adventure. You know, like, let's, let's be friends, you know, let's go, go guarding in the middle of the day. It's, uh, it might be where I'm at in my life that this movie speaks to me that much more, but, uh, I do feel, I do feel strongly about that. Like it's, it it hit a little bit different this time having seen friends going and getting married and, you know, leaving it's, it's, it's different now. Mm Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. I, yeah, I definitely you kind of notice that. another watch. You see that with a lot of uh, his, like the earlier ones, it's not really that cry for, hey, like, don't abandon me kind of thing. But from this point and on, you see a lot of Kevin Smith movies where, like, they need that, uh, that friendship, that yeah. bromance. And they can't let it go. It's like you see that with Zach and Mary, which is unique in that way because it's more of like a friendship that turns into a romance. But um, like you could see that they're both kind of like gutted yeah. that they had to had to move mm-hmm. on for a period of time. Hmm. Yeah. Speaking of moving on, Zach and Mary make a porno. What are your guys' thoughts on this before I jump in with my diatribe about it? <laughs> uh, never understood. I, I had some good laughs. I had some good laughs, and Tim, sorry, I missed what? What were you saying? I never understood the hate for it. I didn't mean to step yeah? on you, Chalupa. I'm sorry, buddy. No, it's okay. I didn't mean to step on you, bro. Um, yeah, you get to see Kenny from Kenny vs. Benny. Kenny Hodges, I believe his name is. He's the uh, other Zach at high school. There's some good laughs in there for sure. Like Elizabeth Banks is awesome and and, and hilarious, adorable, all that stuff. Uh, the, the the dynamics of a male living with a female, whether they're um, 
you know, as a couple or, or it's platonic. Uh, platonic. It's still very funny. The whole closed over door. I don't know how many times I've had that issue pop up. It's like close the goddamn door or lock the door. <laughs> and the oh, the one liner uh, where it's just like the the water shut off, and it's like okay, we'll grab some water from the toilet. And he opens the lid. He's like, there's poo in there. And it's like <laughs> no, from the back of the tank. <laughs> I need to wash my hair. <laughs> that was great. Jason Mewes' character. I didn't I, honestly the first time watching it, I did not know that it was Jason Mewes because he had his hair so short. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my god, that's that's Jay. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was funny. I thought it was really funny. Um, I haven't watched it in a while. I have to rewatch it, but uh, yeah, this one I I I don't know. I would, I'd rank up there for Kevin Smith movies. I just felt, and Tim, I'll let you jump in. And maybe counter this. Because once again, it's been a while since I watched it. I remember being like, okay, this is okay. I like the premise. Um, But I just felt like you have... Like, I love Elizabeth Banks. She's great. Uh, I think she's a well-rounded actress that can do wonderful things in comedy. So you have Elizabeth Banks, Seth Rogen, Craig Robinson. Who, to me, anything he touches turns comedy gold. I love Craig Robinson. Kenny Hotz and Justin Long. Kenny Hotz, my bad. I said Hodges. Those are those are the those are the like five people. And then Jim Norton has a cameo. Jeff Anderson obviously is in it. Uh, Jason Mewes. But you have this great comedic cast. And to me, there was just way too many misses for this level of a cast. There was just too much where it was like, yeah, there's some funny moments, but like I. I had higher expectations of this movie. Not saying it was a bad movie, it just didn't hit expectations for me. I agree with you. Um, Craig Robinson is fucking amazing. Uh, Hot Tub Time Machine is so good. Another ski movie. What up? This uh, is the end. Take your panties off. Take <laughs> your panties off. Uh, okay. You you raise a great point with the cast. Um, the the oh my god, the Justin Long and Brandon Ruth scene at the uh, 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 reunion was so funny. Oh my god, your your granny panties. Hi, can I get a selfie with you? This is amazing. Uh, my problem with this movie is, uh, and this circles back to the very start of the conversation that we had when we talked about. Uh, if Kevin Smith had editors, if he had directors, if he had somebody to guide him to make a more consumable movie. And that's what this movie tried to be. I still like this movie. I don't consider it a Kevin Smith movie largely. I think his voice is kind of lost in it where he's trying to make a popular comedy. And I think that's where this falls flat is he's, trying to be somebody else he's trying to give people this this is what you expect this is the box here you go and it's lesser for it um do you think maybe this was one of those okay you got to make clerks too uh, so now you have to make this movie type thing because this is still written edited and directed by kevin smith what this was, was he was trying to, he saw the success of what Jed Apatow had done and Kevin Smith 
from my interpretation of listening to what he said, has always wanted uh, mass appeal. He's He wanted Mallrats to do good, and when it was hated, it hurt him. He's always wanted Academy Awards. He's always wanted recognition that he deserves to be at the table as opposed to being just Kevin Smith. So he was trying to do a large scale movie and when this flopped and failed he it ruined him it ruined the rest of like his aspirations for hollywood he he turned it into a great deal of vitriol uh this is where he started smoking a lot of weed before he adopted weed as a personality but like he he became very very disenchanted after this yeah yeah fair enough that's that i think is a valid take and if it came directly from him that makes sense but uh because yeah it, it really feels like some of it's just really forced yeah it's a good way to put it it's, it's 40 it feels year old like virgin but to... making a porno like it's honestly yeah. like the first time i saw it like the cast and everything i thought it was a judd apatow film Holy mm-hmm. shit! It's like, and I can see that as well. Would have been in a forty-year-old virgin. Absolutely. Even the even the one chick that they that they hire from the strip club, she was in forty-year-old virgin. Huh. Wow. As a little cameo, like there's so funny. many of them that are from forty-year-old virgin or another Judd Apatow film, like Craig Robinson. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them came from those things. That like when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, Judd Apatow." I was like, I was like "No, it's Kevin Smith." I'm like, "Really? Where's mm-hmm. Jason Lee? Where's you know, where where's you know, Jay and Silent Bob? I suppose, but like, yeah, nothing from the USQ universe." I want to be guarded universe. with what I say next about this and this conversation because I don't want to hurt Kevin Smith's feelings. I know that he listens. <laughs> Um, and I have so Avid much listener. respect you, Kevin. and love with for him. But th- like, if I could point to anything that we talked about my issues earlier, this would be it. This is where I feel disrespected and unloved by a Kevin Smith figure is when you have you've got your fanboys and you've got us in your corner and we're buying your stuff and we're enjoying your stuff, but we're not the audience you're trying to please it's hurt it hurts a little bit and you're like doesn't sound like kevin smith watched chasing amy (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like everybody has a right to grow and make their money but yeah i think it, it comes to a point now where it's it's like is it just pandering like does he just pander does he try new things like once you have your once you have your fan base, it's actually why I don't like Joe Rogan. Uh, I used to love Joe Rogan as a stand-up comedian. Uh, like take the podcast and all really? that shit aside, because God, it's a, see, I used to love Joe Rogan as a stand-up comedian back in the early two thousands. Huh. I thought he was great. Uh, but now every every new special and every time I've seen him live, I appreciate him less and less because it feels like he's just pandering to the audience that likes him like Mm. it doesn't feel like he's challenging himself to be better because he's just pandering to people that like him. so you can make a mistake and regret it uh but 
my thing is is that if Kevin Smith is going to challenge himself and go outside the box, don't just try to replicate what someone else does. Just try to do something different then at least. Don't just make the same shit that someone else does. Something different, like hire an editor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, what do you guys think of Cop Out? Love it. I never watched it. I don't want to. <laughs> Top 10 buddy cop movies. Really? You think I so? I fucking love Cop Out. And okay, I might out. have to watch it then. I might have to watch it. I, I to me, I'm like, okay. Cop out is, is so like taxi driver or the hell ridiculous. Is it called cab. Oh, the taxi cab with taxi uh, with Jimmy Queen Fallon Latifa? and yeah. yeah and, I was oh like, God. yeah. I like. I don't mind Tracy Morgan. I'm not crazy about him, but I don't mind him. And then Bruce Willis. I'm like, oh yeah, aging star. Okay, here we go. It's. So. The the premise of the movie is so small. It's Bruce Willis has a baseball card that gets robbed, and he was hoping to sell it to pay for his daughter's wedding. So his partner, because Bruce Willis is a cop, uh, his partner Tracy Morgan and him are trying to track it down. So it's it's hilarious because all this is over a baseball card, mm-hmm. and Bruce Willis very much seems like a child sometimes when he just wants his baseball card. Uh, (laughs) Tracy Morgan plays the perfect annoying partner. Uh, And he's obsessed, obsessed with uh, and very insecure about his relationship. Cause he's, he's in a relationship with Rashida Jones and he's convinced she's cheating on him. It is absolutely hilarious just like how paranoid he is and like we it's once again it's relatable because you're annoyed by him in the movie being so paranoid but you're annoyed because we all know someone that's super paranoid in their relationship (laughs) everyone knows that person it's like jesus man just have have a little bit more faith in your relationship and your partner and in yourself uh, but the best part of Cop Out as a movie, and you could hate ninety percent of this movie, and this one scene makes the movie, and one character does, and it is Sean William Scott's character. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Uh, he plays basically a burglar who does parkour and knows parkour chalupa. And he has one of the best scenes when they're they like pick him up in a car and they're in, they like they're taking him down to the station basically. And it's one of the best scenes for comedy I've seen in a while. He just he plays off of Tracy Morgan so well, like the two of them just play so well, and you really feel like he's getting under Tracy Morgan's skin. <laughs> and then uh, and then like, all right, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I even just that scene is enough is enough for me to say the movie is a hit. A lot of people don't like this movie. I am an exception, not the rule. I would recommend it to people who want a silly comedy, but not silly like fart jokes, silly, just like goofy, like yeah. actually goofy comedy. That's the only yeah. way I can describe it. So if you if you're like into goofy humor, this is uh this is where it's at. 
the dick joke at the start was pretty funny though when they're uh, interrogating someone and Bruce Willis like breathes on the glass and draws a <laughs> big cock. Um, <laughs> what I would uh, say about this movie too is uh, it. I really really liked it. I liked the dynamic between the two of them, but uh, it, it is interesting because uh, coming off of Zach and Miri. Um, I, I don't know if this was around the time that he, uh, Kevin Smith had a small role in Die Hard and then, uh, Bruce Willis came over to do this, but apparently Bruce Willis oh, yeah. was such a fucking asshole the entire time. He was miserable. He was rude. He fought with everyone. Uh, Smith was like, he, he's my hero. And he actually had to, for his first time in his career, yell at him in front of the cast and crew to like, uh, Hey, like you do the scene this way. Like I know that you've been in a uh, hundred movies before, but you're gonna do it this way. And like, it uh, it was a bad, bad scene. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that, but that's that's interesting. And, and yeah, Live Free or Die Hard was 2007, and this was 2010. So yeah, a couple of years after that. Do you think they're probably shooting 08, 09 time frame if it came out 2010? So, mm-hmm. uh, and this was, I think, the first Kevin Smith movie we're talking about that was not written by Kevin Smith. Oh. So this was written by two other people. The Cullen brothers. Yeah. Rob and Mark Cullen haven't really done much. Joel and Ethan Cullen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, highly recommend this movie as well. Like, I love a good buddy cop movie. Like, the other guys is still uh, edges this oh, one man. out. But this other is guys is top tier. Oh yeah. god, that's another level. Yeah, other guys is. I'm a peacock. You gotta let me fly. <laughs> Stop humming that song. <laughs> you shot Jeter. <laughs> Good shoot A-Rod, eh? So slightly before this, and I'm just going to hit on it so quick because it's not even worth uh, talking about too, too long because not many people have seen it, but have you guys heard about the Clerks animated series? Yes. Um, Mm. My movie store had it for rent. Ooh. Did you you watch it? Yeah, how about that? Nope. <laughs> uh, it lasted for two episodes on air before it got pulled, uh, which was uh, the funniest thing about that entire uh, movie was the second episode was a uh, bottle episode where they uh, did like a clip show about the first episode. I thought it was great. <laughs> but largely, uh, it didn't, uh, a lot of the jokes didn't land. It was okay, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't worth a project worth pursuing. Yeah. Six episodes were produced. Only two aired before ABC canceled it. That's oh nuts to not even give it. It's six episodes. Right. Like, yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. That's There's a lot of good worse than robbing the Dana Carvey show. Yeah. Robbing, robbing people worse than not having a second season of undergrads. Or Firefly. Well, you, you an yeah. undergrads fan too? Yeah, I, I loved undergrads. I haven't watched it in a long time. Hey, guy. <laughs> I was a huge fan. Oh, my God. The Risk episode is still my favorite. Oh, God. <laughs> 33% chance, that increased chance that if you pick red, you win. <laughs> it's a It's a great show. 
uh, undergrads. I always, I always really liked it. I think I, I even got Danielle into it back when we first met. Ooh, Clone High is another like... good old one. Yeah, there was a lot at that time. Like that was a that was kind of a a good age for kind of the like late teen, early adult cartoons. Robot Chicken was around that time too, a little oh, bit. Yeah. Like, yeah, like that was it was a sweet spot. Uh-huh. Uh, but undergrads never got to man. Uh, also, the click by Good Charlotte as the as the theme song for undergrads. Great, great tune. One of the few, one of the few Good Charlotte songs that I could stand. If Brian's stream can get up to two thousand viewers, we will stream undergrads one night and watch a shit ton of episodes together. Hell yeah. yeah. We're marathoning undergrads. We'll do commentary. Make it happen, people. Make it happen. Yeah, we'll do a commentary and we'll see. So if I remember watching up. this when I was in grade six. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah, exactly. just BS. Get it up there. <laughs> I want to fucking do this. That'd be so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so from, from undergrads. Oh, sorry, Tim. Go ahead. Not at all. This is all you. I was going to say from undergrads, something a, a lot more serious in red state. <laughs> So Red a little St- bit different. Yeah, it's a <laughs> commentary on the Westboro Baptist Church. Um, uh, four boys try to get on like a Kijiji, find a girl to have sex with, and uh, it goes off the rails so hardcore. And if you haven't seen the movie, I am not going to wreck it. I am not going to wreck the end. I am a guy that believes in spoilers. I, 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 I like to give them. I like to receive them. Not for this movie. Uh, John Candy does a great job in it. Um, everybody in this movie. John Goodman. John, John Goodman. Candy. I was like, I oh, John my Candy God. He was dead. <laughs> Did he play a dead guy? <laughs> <laughs> um, the preacher. I forget his name already. Um, um, bring it up. Red is it Michael Parks? Michael Parks is haunting and scary. And the whole... Um, Waco atmosphere that you get from a lot of what happens and unfolds. Um, don't read anything about this movie. Just go in, watch it one time. I will never go back and watch it because this movie made me feel so incredi- incredibly uncomfortable with the contents. It wasn't a lot of jump scares or scary stuff with that, but just the subject matter and the point of view that you got felt really really just uncomfortable like it just there's no other way to s- describe it that this ma- movie made me feel deeply deeply uncomfortable in a bad way like um, like the uncomfortableness is negative or is it uncomfortable like watching the office where you're like oh my god i can't believe michael scott's doing that again in a in a i'm glad i experienced it but it, like um it's hard to explain without you guys know like disturbing disturbing uncomfortable that's a better word okay yes, thank okay you. yeah yeah um just trying to like get people to walk in on the project it's like oh i love being uncomfortable huh let's watch it it's like oh that is cringy me like, repeating the, the same word 90 way. times didn't clarify it <laughs> uh that is uh, yeah disturbing thank you chalupa that is a, a great <laughs> adjective for, for what this good. movie was it's and, really uh, really 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 funny <laughs> <laughs> um 
it, it's worth a watch and to, to to feed into the 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 state of Kevin Smith's career at this point. So we had talked about Zach and Miri being an epic failure. That was his attempt to get widespread um, acceptance as he was seeing all these movies coming out with similar subject matter than what he had put out in the 90s. He felt like this is a chance for me to do it. And then doing Cop Out, where it's like, this is just going to be a light, fun movie. I get to work with Bruce fucking Willis. And then him getting robbed of that. Kevin Smith goes and makes Red State. A movie that he was felt like a, a fuck you to the world, fuck you to Hollywood. And then he has a bit of a breakdown. It was at one of the film festivals where he's... Uh, gonna put it up for sale and then he basically goes out to all the distributors and says go fuck yourself i'm gonna distribute myself and like walks off the stage he pisses off everybody in the room and he he alienates himself from a, a lot of his uh hollywood friends uh or hollywood uh co-workers i guess you would say um so mm-hmm. this is and, and like people leaving this movie were like, this movie would have sold. This movie would have been in theaters. And but he's like deep into podcasting. He's deep into his independent spirit again. But he uh, I don't know. I don't know if it was the right or wrong decision. You know, he's still Kevin Smith and I'm Tim. So who <laughs> fuck am I to judge? You are the only Tim, though. I don't want to take that Tim. away from you, Tim. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's yeah, not your fault. a lot of a lot of reviews of this movie called it tense, disturbing, and disappointing. Were the three <laughs> were the three big recurring words. I, I think once again you have a great cast. Michael Parks. Uh, funny enough, we talked Tarantino. Michael Parks is in a ton of Tarantino films. Uh, Melissa Leo coming off the Fighter, where she won an Academy Award for. Uh, John Goodman, like you have a solid cast to build a to build a very tense good movie around. I, I have not seen it, but a lot of people say uh, it seems to be the consensus is the story's a little all over the place, even though it's a relatively simple story to tell. That's funny because so, like there's yeah. three threads, but I felt like it was very linear. So it's interesting that that's the reviews. Maybe I'm, I, I've got a a bad take on it, which I could admit to. Uh, maybe your take's better. I don't know. These are just random reviews on IMDb. So, just lots of like the story's a mess, etc. But it could just be people panning the movie for the sake of panning it, right? Yeah. And that's what happens a lot. This is why I don't watch trailers and stuff because I like to go into a movie without any impression of whether it's going to be good or not. Hmm. I, I really do try. <laughs> so. I think Daniel's watching to... a movie. Like, <laughs> I guess that's good with like streaming services nowadays. It's like, you don't have to worry about putting a movie like a VHS or DVD. It's yeah. like, oh, coming to theaters. And you're like, no. <laughs> Where's the skip button? Where's the skip? Close your eyes. So Anthony yeah. gave me a bunch of Kevin Smith DVDs uh, a while back. That's the the whole collection that I, I sent in that picture to you guys. But uh, it was kind of nice watching old uh, trailers. It kind of got me a little psyched and like to hear the 
in a world guy one more time. Like, I, I kind of miss that a little bit. Fair Rob Schneider is a carrot. <laughs> One day I'm gonna I, I'm gonna have it all set up and we're gonna do uh, a little like short episode about the inner world uh, commentator guy. There's a documentary out we gotta watch. Yeah, that sounds good. Brian. We can also do uh, Pablo Francisco, the comedian who does uh, not like knockoff. Uh, like he had a whole routine because he could do that voice perfectly. It was great. Uh, little Tortilla Boy, I believe, was the routine. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger is. Get down! <laughs> Get down again! <laughs> Get down more. Yeah. Um, okay, so after that, after, you know, Kevin Smith obviously had Red State, there's movies that I feel like a lot less people have seen. Yeah. And we're going to touch on them very quickly because I think Tim maybe knows more than myself. I don't know about you, Aaron, but there's a trilogy or, well, the third one hasn't been made, but of Tusk, Yoga Hosers, and uh, Moose Jaws. <laughs> Tim, I'm going to let you take the, the lead with this one. So, Well, we also have uh, the reboot as well. Yeah, which is after these. Is it? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Reboot's 2019. Well, that goes to show. I'll just mute my mic for now. Yeah, you shut the fuck up, okay? So these movies God. were born out of Smodcast, a show that uh, Kevin had been doing for about 10 years with uh, uh, Scott Mosier, his uh, cohort from Clerks Days, like his buddy from university that came across and started this entire endeavor with him so they would throw out ideas and then one day they started throwing stuff back and forth and they came up with tusk now this is the canadian trilogy um i haven't seen yoga hosers yet i've heard it. it's real real bad but harley quinn smith his daughter and johnny depp's daughter is uh are play a small role as clerks in tusk and then the main roles in uh yoga hosers so Tusk, even Kevin Smith will tell you, this is what the movie is. A guy gets turned into a walrus. So he's a like YouTube commentator podcaster where he goes around and he interviews people that make an asshole of themselves on uh, on YouTube videos. Is Justin Long is that character. Uh, they got the kid from uh, Sixth Sense in, uh, as his, uh, his other. But um, so Michael Parks, he, he goes up to he goes up to winnipeg manitoba and uh he gets kidnapped by michael parks and then over the course of the movie he's turned surgically into a fucking walrus and johnny depp plays a canadian detective from quebec named guy lapointe and it is an absolute b horror movie it's all that it is you can't go in expecting anything more than that it's well paced uh there's points of humor in it the ending is darker than you would ever imagine and i got to see this movie in winnipeg in a theater with one other person in there i drove two hours to go see this movie and no one else showed up for it huh (laughs) yeah fair enough and for the fanboy in me, this is the excitement that he would be doing something 
that he loves. Whether or not people like it, whether or not I like it, if Kevin Smith is experimenting and having fun again doing weird shit, I think we can only ever benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's fair. Yeah. Yoga hosers, I, I have the basic premise of that in my head from what I've heard is like basically a uh, somebody releases a bunch of like Nazi spirits and they start to inhabit a small town. So these two clerks who are into yoga have to go around and kill all of the, the, the Nazi sausages or something like that. And then Moose Jaws is going to be Jaws with a moose. Very, very random. <laughs> very random. Hey, look what podcasting can do. Moose Jaws. <laughs> I can't wait till we have our movies. It's going to be cool. So I think that brings us up to Jane Silent Bob Reboot. Yeah. So have you guys yeah. seen uh, Reboot yet? Kalupa? I have not. Sorry, I shook my head. Ah. Uh, yeah, I, I pulled not. it up so I don't have the video when I'm looking at the actual uh, like movie info. I don't know if we... Uh, is it on it in the streaming services that we have? Amazon Prime, I, I believe. I think it was Prime, uh, yeah. Which I believe they also have Jay and Silent Bob's super groovy cartoon movie that Jason Mewes uh, was the creative force behind. Yeah, like as soon as Kevin Smith went skinny, I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so this is still post heart attack. Well, pre or post? I can't remember. I think it's post. I think it's post. post. Like he had his heart attack, then he lost all the weight and went vegan. He uh, had his heart attack February 2018. This came out 2019. Jane Silent Bob reboot. Okay. Um, Harley Quinn is in this movie as well. Um, his He's daughter. Uh, the movie is a little bit more woke. Um, oh, mm-hmm. uh, it, Shannon uh, Elizabeth gets to reprise her role from Jay and Silent Bob uh, Strike Back, Boo Boo Kitty Fuck. It is a movie with Jason trying, uh, sorry, Jay trying to reconnect with the daughter he never knew that he had. And they're mm. off to a Jay and Silent Bob uh, con, essentially. Uh, a shit ton of fan service to this movie. The The thing that will stick with you, like the emotional point, is you get to see Holden and uh, Amy again. Uh, I forget, mm-hmm. uh, Elise or whatever her name was. But Alyssa. Alyssa, yeah. thank you. Uh, they get to have a really cool moment in there where they're co-parenting a daughter. But um, largely this movie can be missed. There's there's not... They talk about podcasting a lot. <laughs> I'll look for the highlights on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, they It's it's fun. There's a lot of... If I remember, uh, I actually think I did make it all the way through this. I thought I didn't, but I think I actually sat down and read... <laughs> And watch the rest of it now that you're. I talking. can't remember if I did or not, but I think I did. But there's a lot of like, uh, almost breaking the fourth wall type stuff where it's like, what kind of movie would do that? Like little like tongue in cheek, mm. making fun of themselves. Yeah. In this movie. Well, they do that, I, in the, which I can appreciate. They do that in Strike Back as well. Yeah, 
but this is like next level. Oh, and okay. the the premise on top of the fact that like he's trying to connect with his daughter, I'm pretty sure they literally are trying to stop the new Blunt Man and Chronic movie. So it's literally <laughs> like what they say reboot. Part of it is they're trying to do the exact same thing. <laughs> so who would make a movie about a movie they've already tried to stop? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, it's great in sense of it's, it's got a ton of the old cast. Uh, Jason Biggs is in it again. Uh, Fred Armisen is in it. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big Fred Armisen fan. He's very so, funny. But uh, there's not much clearly from me. The Armenian, like, oh, I see it, did I not? The Armenian dream. Yeah. <laughs> for uh, me, this there's, movie's... there's not much to love about it, uh, if I if I recall. Uh, the thing that I love most about this movie is that I traveled from here to Peterborough, which is like a two-hour trek. We got barbecue, me and a buddy from work, and we got to see it in a theater with a couple other guys there was some hardcore <laughs> smith fans there with movies gear on <laughs> but uh and, and like there was what he did was him and muse did a special theater only canadian only introduction to the movie so like before you get to see the movie you got to see that if you got to see it there and then uh, we traveled up to Toronto a couple of months later when Kev was coming through town and he did, you know, a little Q&A after, which I just, it's cool. I wouldn't go see that if it was fucking Wes we Anderson. Should give him, we should give him citizenship. Hell yeah. He's he, pretty much an honorary Canadian. Yeah, if he brings his money across the border and we can tax him, sure. Mm. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, more that should just marry him for a little bit and then he can get his citizenship it'd be fine <laughs> yeah she's well, married Ryan enough Reynolds. people i think yeah, yeah you think that ryan reynolds would be all over like kevin smith uh movies but there must be some kind of agreement with like alanis more said that he can't do that yeah <laughs> um, i i think we're probably getting to the end of this episode, seeing as we've gone about two hours and 16 minutes, um, we're going to have to come back and talk about the Q and a sessions another day. Um, his laundry list of podcasts, uh, Hollywood Babylon. If you haven't watched that, that's with, uh, Ralph Garman, who does amazing voices. It's Hollywood talk show. Really, really, really good. Jay and silent Bob get old. I haven't checked out yet, but it is, uh, part of the ongoing, uh, keeping muse sober. So Muse tells a bunch of uh, stories about him, like scoring heroin and being famous and a drug addict and stuff. Uh, Fat Man on Batman, which is a and Fat Man Beyond are two different Batman podcasts that he has. Talk Salad and Scrambled Eggs is a Frasier rewatch, <laughs> now defunct uh, uh, podcast. Education, Film School Fridays, Vig- Vegan Abattoir he does with his daughter about uh, being vegan. Uh, Smodcast, which I mentioned, which is pretty much dead now that Moj has moved on. Red State of the Union was uh, when they were traveling around showing the movie. They would do a podcast afterwards. Smarriage oh at God. Smodcastle, plus one per Jesus. diem. Highlands of Peephole History, and that doesn't even include all of the fucking podcasts that he joins up on and like just does. Yeah, I guess. 
the yeah. guy has done a huge library. <laughs> if you just want to get into somebody, it's a, a lot of it gets repeated though. I really want to get into Kevin Smith. Yeah, you do. Now he's skinny. I want to get deep into him. A fat man in a trench coat. You want to just look up all sweaty and see that purple coat hanging off the end of the bed with some scrunched up cargo shorts? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, anything else that you wanted to hit on? Uh, you know Kevin what? Smith. There's going to be another day for it, and my ongoing tirade of getting you guys to watch. Uh, tell him, Steve, Dave. Uh, <clears throat> comic book men. It's a Pawn Stars comic book show, but it's so much more than that. It's so fucking good. <laughs> it's on AMC, and uh, when we go to do this, I'm going to sneak you guys into the Patreon, and they're doing a. Uh, uh, behind the fake counter where they rewatch the episodes with uh, Brian Nichelle, the showrunner. But uh, what the jokes that they got away with at the time they got away with it, it was uh, aired right after Walking Dead. I think in the second season they, they came up with this. But it's so fucking funny, to me at <laughs> least. <laughs> There's so many gay jokes, dirty jokes, jokes about superheroes, uh, and they, they just had fun. It was It was a good show. Nice. Okay. It sounds good. I, I would I would definitely watch like a Pawn Stars version for comic books because I'd mm-hmm. actually be interested in that. And they, well, they got the old 70s like toy sets and stuff too, like playing oh, with the, yeah. and, like, the box. Let me nerd out. The giant G.I. Joe aircraft carrier one day comes in. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. that The G.I. Joes just wouldn't break unless you really wanted to. You would find a way, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, th- I think that's it for what I got to say about Kevin Smith. We we've, we've come to some interesting conclusions over the last two and a half. For now, well, I guess three hours, including the yep. first run. <laughs> yeah, Tim, you're gonna have to wear that hat for a while. <laughs> yeah, no, I that I pretty much got everything there. I am a Kevin Smith fan. Um, in my opinion, has he kind of, I wouldn't say lost his way, but like lost my interest? Yes. Um, I definitely like his older films. Uh, I think they speak from where he was at the time. And I think that's a good thing. And now I think, like you're bringing it up, he's kind of uh, influenced or um, has been shaped differently over time. So he's kind mm. of directing uh, sorry uh, looking to a different audience or trying to you know uh, scramble to try to get back what made him famous in the first place you know and had that love and adoration so um no, I, I hope nothing but for the best for the guy and you know if you give recommendations i'll definitely check into it but if it's like you know the reboot not gonna I'm not, I'm not going to go out of my way to spend time to watch that. There's so many other TV shows and movies I need to watch. So if I was going to give you like top shelf stuff, it would probably be from Smodcast, like some of the stuff that got animated yeah. over the years. Like I would find yeah. the, the cream of the crop there, but uh, you know, that's just Kevin banter. Exactly. Which can be pretty fucking golden. I imagine. 
So I actually, one of the things I appreciate about Kevin Smith is I don't know if you guys ever followed Screen Junkies on YouTube. No. Screen Junkies did like honest trailers uh, is what they're known for. And they used to have a show called Movie Fights. I think they still do it, but it fell off. One of the guys had like, they had to let go of one of the guys because the there was some controversy over whether he was inappropriately hitting on some of the females. <laughs> that um, always goes over well. Yeah. So, uh, but Kevin Smith used to appear on movie fights occasionally. He actually did one against Elijah Wood uh, at like a Comic Con live, oh, cool. uh, which was good. So it's basically like they ask a question. Like uh, I think the first question was like, "Who's the greatest living filmmaker?" And they duke it out and they give their points and then they counter. Like it's like Kevin, you go first. Elijah, you go second. Kevin, you get to rebuttal what Elijah said, and they each get to go twice, basically. Uh, it's And then there's multiple rounds, and then they give a winner. It's a really... Movie Fights was a really good show, and I always appreciated when Kevin Smith was on it, because he always provided an interesting take being so exposed in in, uh, in those films. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to definitely check that out. Mm. Yeah, it was really it was really cool. There's the same a bunch of people that do that did movie fights did that uh movie trivia showdown Chalupa that I showed you previously. Yep. Yeah, so some of the people went on to do that um but movie fights was like where it's at if you really like movies. But then like once that guy left, they like leaned into woke culture a little too hard. And like, I hated the new host. Like, mm. there was no personality to him. It got like really bland. And they would bring people on that just like, it was like, all right, you're literally just saying this because it's like the right thing to say right now. You're not, you're not, there's no way that could be your favorite movie. There's no way Greta Gerwig's your favorite director already. <laughs> like she's like two movies. Yeah. Like yeah. You can't like love that. Canada this much. Oh, but I'm Aaron Chalupa and I can. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah. That's a it's a tr- tough thing to navigate if you want to stay on top, but uh I don't know, maybe that's something that I've learned from Kevin Smith uh all the way through there it's like uh <laughs> you don't want to get too famous. If you can stay like an outsider, no one's going to expect that much of you. Or if you aren't as woke as people would like, like you can still find your, your path somewhere in there. Like you're a little safer when you're not at the top of the heap. Make enough mm-hmm. money where you can fill your gas tank and buy groceries. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Hey honey, I made a thousand dollars this month <laughs> <laughs> from podcasting or doing Twitch stuff. Perfect. Let's buy some groceries and fill us up, fill our gas tanks. Yeah. On that note, uh, this has been Couch Critics Canada. Uh, you can find us on our Couch Critics Canada Instagram, our Couch Critics Canada at gmail dot com. Uh, yeah, reach out to us anytime. Let us know what you think. Do you think Kevin Smith is over the hill? Do you think he's overhyped? Do you think he's just getting started? Um, what do you think about nepotism and uh, keeping his movie career alive to keep putting his daughter in movies? 
uh, let us know. Uh, Bri, is there anywhere people can find you if they were looking? Twitch.tv slash not just BS. Chalupa? Chalupa Cabra 5252 uh, on Instagram. If you send me a message, just let me know where you heard me from. I had one person actually say, hey, I heard you from the Bearded and Board podcast. I'm like, all right, cool. You're not blocked. <laughs> You're not being reported. Good That's job, awesome. sir. Well done. You listened. You listened. Who was it? <laughs> oh, never I never even reached out to the, <laughs> the actual Instagram. Oh, I have to look into it. I, I did have a bit of a laugh. I'm like, oh, I should, I should screenshot this and share it with the boys. It'd be wonderful. <laughs> That's great. It's That's like, awesome. guys, I have a fan from the podcast. This is great. I haven't even like received any like messages following, so it's like he's not a weirdo or anything either. As far as I know, maybe he is. I have Who no knows? idea. I he's hope he all, is. Screenshotting all my Instagram photos and like making some kind of collage or something. I hope he's a weirdo. It's even better. He's fitting right in then. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, that's how you can find me. Nice. Ooh. Let me know. Let me know if you guys, or let us know, I should say, if you want to hear about, uh, you know, our filmography review or uh, a toe-to-toe in 60 or so, what you think we should cover. We're always looking for ideas. That is good point. Yeah, agreed. Email us. Hit us up on our various socials. Let us doesn't know. need to be movies. It'd be board games. Oh, and I almost be... forgot. If you CDs. write us a five-star review, no matter what you write in the contents of that five-star review, I will read it at the end of an episode. So, Coach Critics, iTunes, very, very important for a fledgling new uh, podcast. Give us those reviews. And uh, yeah, no matter what you write, I will read it at the end of the episode. Did I ever tell you guys the time where I had one of my beers reviewed on Untapped? No, no. So I was. This is when I was uh, first starting my brewing career, and I was in Jasper, uh, Jasper Brewing Co. And I just came out with my rye pale ale, and somebody gave a review. And the review, I can't remember verbatim, but it was just essentially saying, oh, the beer's okay. It could have done a lot better. Very underwhelming. Should have had more hop profile. Like just, just like everything about the beer, this guy had something to say about. And like in kind of a, like could be so much more. Like, you know, like let's get the potential kind of going here. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, well what's the rating? And it was like 4.6 out of five. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like this guy's giving me this tough ass review. And I'm like, Oh man, it sounds like, well, like some of my homework back in high school. But then it's just like, yeah, yeah. Like, a really good score. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Did I do bad then? So yeah, I just were kind of like, and then I saw the South park uh, episode where they do the Yelp review bit. And I'm like, ah, hmm. that's probably what that guy was all about. Just pretentious. hundred percent. Sniffs his own farts. <laughs> anyway, yeah, give us a review and uh, Tim will read it. Or one and of maybe us. in certain voices, it'll be great. You know what? If you have a preference for which critic you want to read your review, please list that at <laughs> yeah, the end. Throw it of in the there review. too. <laughs> give a review and then ask who you want it to, who you want to read it. This podcast we'll goes a, ass to mouth. 
five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Never go ask him out. Oh no, that would. Be, I hope that happens. That'll be great. Please yeah. make it happen, people. Bye. Definitely make it happen. And thank you for listening. Yeah, always. share some shit with you before we get out of here real quick um the uh first off i I love doing this sort of thing and there's always people that will come up to me uh, after the show say very nice things uh very cool things about like oh my god it's so uh you're so talented that's the one that really fucking bugs me and shit like that me me and not because i'm irritated by it but uh when you say shit like talent it makes people go like oh you're special and this person is not and i don't agree with that i don't really do anything that requires talent. I just kind of chase my dreams. Anything I want to try, I, I give a shot to and stuff. And before I get out of the show, I always like to remind people, like, you can do that too. Like, at the end of the day, this doesn't require fucking talent. Invariably, somebody will say to me before the night is over, oh my God, it's so talented how you could stand up there and talk for so long. And I'm like, that doesn't take talent to talk and tell stories about my life. That just takes a memory. Like, that's... <laughs> That's it. That doesn't require talent. My day job doesn't even take talent. You think it takes talent to stand on a movie set and wear a backwards baseball cap and a trench coat and say nothing? (laughs) That's the exact opposite of fucking talent, man. I said, I'll take it one step further. It doesn't take talent at all to work in the movie business. You think it takes fucking talent to stand on a movie set and be like, I'm Batman. Ben Affleck does it, so I know it don't take fucking talent. people use like a word like that to put shit between you and and something you want to try this doesn't take talent it doesn't take talent to talk about your fucking lives over the course of your life you've listened to people talk on the radio or seen people talk on tv and you've said to yourself or thought to yourself i'm smarter than these people i'm funnier than this person you're probably thinking that shit right now And you're probably right, man, but nobody's going to know unless you kind of go out there and express yourself in some way, shape, or form. Share of yourself. Now, some people don't want to because they're afraid that it might not work and shit like that. Like, oh, what if I fail? But there is no such thing as fucking failure. Failure is just success training. I know that sounds like a cat poster, but it's fucking true. Like, (laughs) nobody ever fucking gets something right on the first try and shit. Don't be afraid of failure. Don't let that keep you from trying something that you might want to try and stuff like that. Rather fail spectacularly than live your life wondering, like, I wonder if that shit would have worked out. That's how I've just kind of conducted myself for the last, like, 20, 25 years, and it's led on this weird fucking journey. So uh, the cats who come out and support me and see the shows and stuff, I always want to try to give something back at the end of the day. Like, you've given me so much. You've given me a way to not have to fucking work for a living. So, like, you know, I always want to try to give back. I could give the money back, but fuck that. So, like... (laughs) The least I could give back is I know there are people in the audience that are like, I kind of want to do what you do, and you absolutely fucking can. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something that maybe, like, you don't hear that much anymore because you're adults and shit, and it's our job to say this to younger people and shit, but this is the truest sentiment a stranger is going to fucking tell you this week, so fucking get ready. You are smart and good. You're all fucking talented. You all have something amazing to fucking say. So... 
find a way, find a way to fucking share that. I, I've, I've like, I'm 47 years old and I'm still trying to figure out who the fuck I am. So before you leave this world, figure out who you are at your core, man. I have, uh, as I Snoogans. And I say, hey, yeah. I said, hey. What's going on? Try to watch my plosives, my peas. P's and Q's, P's and Q's, buds, buds, buds. P's and Q's, P's and Q's. What? What? Mother, mother, fuck, fuck, mother, mother, fuck, fuck, fuck. Fuck, fuck, mother, mother, fuck, fuck, mother, mother, fuck, 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 fuck. Hmm. Hey, everybody. Uh, just a little of a bit of a heads up in case this comes off as disjointed. Uh, 